on episode 71 of Pixel Guide In. The Do You Know the System Game Show. Tim talks about a rare Japanese gaming computer. We discuss our systems that don't work. Eric is up to some cool system mods. And Cody is just up to no good. We have a 32-bit linear platform battle. Tim rocks some new BBC goodies. Eric's got a pile of new pickups. And Cody's getting arcade sticky with it. Eric, it's that time again where I start the show by saying, gobble, gobble, gobble. <laughs> yeah. Gobble. Thanksgiving Thanksgiving just passed, right? <laughs> at, this, at this point, the listeners will, will think, what are, you, what are they talking about? Thanksgiving's over. But yes, we are we are a couple days shy of Thanksgiving here, but That's right. um, I guess we'll go past tense. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving, listeners. Uh, actually, a lot of our listeners don't even know what that or don't even celebrate Thanksgiving, but... I hope you ate a lot of food over the weekend anyways. How about that? That is good news. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be the only day I think I take off this week from work. So, Really? One day off? Yep. Yep. That's how it is. That's how it is when you're in IT like a true gamer. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Well, if you listeners are still listening, (laughs) welcome to Pixel Gaiden. Your number one place for everything retro and retro-inspired video game-related talk and... I always want to say, like, talk and tech. <laughs> you, you supply the tech, Eric. Yeah, we, we cover the games, we cover the hardware, we cover it all. Cover it all, really. And the beer. Uh, really quick, if you guys don't know, we are part of the Amigos Retro Gaming Network, which has all kinds of great shows, so please check those out. Shows such as Amigos... ARG Presents, Sprite Castle, R. Sinclair, The Coco Show, and 1200XL. Uh, so check those shows out and uh, support and like and subscribe. <laughs> yeah, like and subscribe. <laughs> One of these days I'm going to figure out when and where to use that because I don't know what it all means. Yeah, I, I don't either. And I, I, I got to say, part of me really doesn't want to find out. <laughs> and that was Tech Talk on Pixel Guide and Cody doesn't know what like and subscribe means. All right, Eric, well, let's dive right on into some quick questions. Quick questions! All right, so let's see. What shall we pick here? You want to do that? Let's do a Discord quick question first. How here. about that? That's a good idea. And Throw this is Pajaco. Exactly. That's me. So this is Pajaco <laughs> from our, our, our Patreon and... Uh, He's on our Discord, and he asked us this question. What piece of retro gaming equipment have you kept hold of despite knowing it's beyond repair, but secretly you think you could still fix it? Hmm. Well, I mean, the one... I'll go first, I guess. The one that obviously comes to mind that we talk about on the show all the time is my my Fairchild Channel F. Yeah. Which... I've been able to test down to the board level and I can get video out of it when I like tap into it with alligator clips and stuff. 
but I can't get it to, I just can't get it to work properly. So, um, but realistically, that's not a piece I ever planned to play really. Cause the channel F is kind of so archaic. Uh, so it's cool to have that as kind of a shelf queen, if you will. <laughs> sure. Um, I mean, it, so, it is a neat looking piece of history. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess my real answer will be, I quite literally, and I just put, organized them and put them together over here, uh, yesterday is i have a shelf full of um macintoshes and uh i was able to get quite a few of them working but i still have about three or four that um i've never even tried to power on yet um because i'm very confident they won't work and i just don't want to deal with it (laughs) so i guess that would be my true answer to this is my my wall o max how much you sir well, I, I think we've mentioned on the show before that I have a box of broken dreams out in the oh, yeah. in the garage of systems that I acquire. Usually they're free or cheap and in various states of working and not working. But uh, a couple of the ones that stand out to me from my box of broken dreams is I have a ColecoVision in there that I have done mm-hmm. everything I know how to do and it still doesn't work. I mean, I, I, I need to figure out a way to see what kind of signals are coming off the video chip, but it just doesn't work. But the, and I have another ColecoVision that works, so I'm not in any hurry to get it to fixed, but it's just one of those things that I'll pull out every three, four months, tinker with it. Can't get it to work, put it back, throw it back angrily into yep. the box. Exactly. And it, the, the thing about it is it, it looks really nice. It looks better than my working one. So aesthetically it's very nice, but you can't just swap the board out, have I one could. nice working unit. I could, but uh, that, that's to me is, is signaling defeat. Um, <laughs> but then I also have like, you know, I, I told this story too. I think the, the retroist, one of my favorite podcasters sent me a Coleco Telstar system oh, yeah, yeah. called the Telstar arcade. And I've spent a lot of time working on that. And I still have not, it, it kind of works like the video is very, very snowy and fuzzy really? and the sounds okay. work, but you can see the picture. Yeah. But I just can't figure out what is causing that kind of uh, snowy picture. And, and, I mean, it looks really bad. It's not playable at all. So That's kind of where my Fairchild is. I got it to the point where you yeah. can see it's trying to do something, but you can't play it. Yeah, so I don't... We had mentioned it on the show before, and actually Frank from Retro Rewind said that he would... He'd even take a look at it for me. But the thing is so big, it yeah. would take a lot of money to ship it up there. I might do that sometime. I'm going to give a few more things some try, but um, I, I I really want to get that working just because it's a neat neat system. It's just really really huge. So I think if we're going to send something that big, we throw all of our broken dream projects into that one box. <laughs> send them all I'm to just, Frank. I'm going to send him my giant box of broken dreams and say, "Here, take yeah. a look at this." And for those who don't know, Frank uh, is the sponsor for this show. At yes, RetroRewind.ca forward slash Pixel Guide and hop on over there and see what Frank has to offer beyond just uh, Commodore repairs and apparently ColecoVision repairs. <laughs> well, <laughs> if he's no, offering retro, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Uh, but there, he offered. Uh, and we talk about him on the show every every uh, every month as he is a sponsor. Uh, you can get all kinds of cool things over there for your Commodores, everything from the C64 to the Amiga, uh, Plus 4, the C16, Um any of those cool things. Uh, we were talking about the resistor tool he sells, the chip straighteners, even the little pieces of paper you put in your floppy drive to keep the dust out while you're storing them. Right, Eric? 
That is correct. And and he is now doing a um a fundraiser for a, a really good good cause. Um let me take a look at this. It's called Tis the Season to Give Back. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, and so he is t- basically what what this is is it is a contest period from November 20th to December 18th, where if any of our listeners will just use this, this actually other code, usually we have a code called PG10, but this time if you use TISPG, T-I-S-P-G, you'll still get your 10% discount, but it will track um, our purchases as, and we're kind of in competition with all the other sponsors uh, of Retro Rewind, which are all the Amigos guys, and I think uh, 10 Mark and... A few other, I think there are several people, but we're all kind of in this competition where if we get them, if we raise the most money through purchases using that code, uh, we will win in which we will get two $50 gift vouchers, which we can then give to the listeners. Awesome. Very cool. So you have to spend money to win money. Spend money to win money. So, But I want to know, does it say where those uh, the proceeds are going? Yes, it does. In fact, it does. It is going to the Daily Bread Food Bank in Toronto. So gotcha. I think uh, Frank does a lot of charity work for them. He basically donates a lot of time. I think him and his family do. Um, it seems like a really great way to to give back and and also and get your uh, your Commodore repaired and or new parts for it. So head on over to retrorewind.ca forward slash pixel guiden and uh, because it is the season, Eric. Use yes. code TISPG, that's TISPG for Pixel Guiden 10 at checkout to save 10% and uh, help out a charity. And who knows, maybe it'll even come full circle to you and uh, we'll be able to hand you a gift card here in a month or two. That would be pretty cool. I have uh, another quick question written down here. Eric, what do you got? Awesome. Let's take a look here. Pull up the notes. Uh... All right. This one is from Tim. All right, Tim, 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 what do you got? Tim asks, have you ever had any retro systems that were complete money pits to just get working? Had to get one thing. Like <laughs> had to get one thing after another just to get the setup right. Correct. So, sorry. <laughs> I was like an idiot. I was like reading like a robot. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me tonight. I need beer, dude. If I was I need a good, to loosen up. We'll get there. We'll get there. If I was a good host and a good friend, I would edit that out. But now we're leaving that in there just because I'm no, lazy. I'm just in there. <laughs> so have you ever had any retro systems that were complete money pits to just get working? I mean, absolutely. And again, it's. I feel like these questions are goading me into stuff I talk about all the time on the show, but it's got to be anything with the word Amiga on it. Because yeah, not, that's too bad because I don't. I never. I mean, I've spent a lot of money on my Amigas doing upgrades and and stuff like that, but I haven't had that kind of problem with the Amiga. I just I'm struggling and struggling, and I guess the biggest issue is is monitor related. Yeah. So I, I you know we'll talk about it later in the show. I mean, my new setup here, but behind me I've got my one of my Amiga monitors over here, and then I got a second monitor from the Amiga Club locally here, and both of them are not working. Oh, um, that second club was even called uh, Jessica Rabbit. Um, Jerry over there, the vice president of the club, uh, tested them out, and he he put stickers on each one and wrote the name of each one he came up with, and it was called Jessica Rabbit because she was in the best shape and she worked perfectly and she looked amazing. <laughs> and of course, I get it into my house and plug it in, and it works perfectly and amazing for about five minutes, and then um, and then just shuts off. The power just goes. The video just goes away. 
And, oh, uh, man. and the problem is not only my Amigas have to be plugged into that monitor to look good. I mean, I can plug them into a TV using the composite and then they, you know, you can't read detail and they look like garbage. Uh, so not only are all my Amigas pretty much worthless, but, um, my Amstrad as well. That's my only monitor I can play my Amstrad on. So I haven't been able to play my Amstrad CPC since, since those monitors failed me either. So I'm buying cables. I'm, I'm doing all kinds of things, buying extra monitors. And now that that's the point where I'm going to actually just have to, uh, bite the bullet and, and go in there and try to solder inside of the monitor, which is always, you know, terrifying for newbies like myself, but you know what? Fraught with peril. Fraught with peril. There you go. How about you, Eric? Um, I mean, the one that comes to mind the most, I think, was it actually worked when I got it, but I spent a lot of money just to get it to the point where it would do more things that I wanted it to. But it was the my TRS-80 Model 4, okay. like that big, that oh, yeah, big yeah. terminal. Um, it, I mean, that, that computer is great because the keyboard's excellent on it, and I love to connect to BBSs and stuff. But to really get it to a point where I could play a lot of, a lot of games and, and have it, like almost like a hard drive with it, I had to get this thing called the Mize, the M-I-S-E, which cost a lot of money. Then I had to get the high-res board for it. Um, basically, I was just, I remember just sinking a lot of money into it. And then it's in the garage right now because it's so big, I don't have a place to put it. So really, it's it's all this money I spent on it, and it just sits in the garage until until there's times when I want to use it, and I bring I haul it back in and use it. I guess I would say that, but I mean, you're, you're kind of right. I have spent a ton of money on like Amiga stuff too. Accelerators are really expensive. Um, I remember, remember buying my Furia for my A600 and my, uh, I think a 1230 for my A1200. So yeah, I mean, there are some, definitely ones that I've, I've sank a lot of money into. Yeah. But uh, the key I think is just to get them working or just, to, I guess, no, he says just to get the setup right. Um, right. And that, that would be that, more for my TRS-80. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, I, I, as much as I want to love Amigas and everything, I just had terrible experiences and it just leaves bitter taste in my mouth, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, you had one last quick question here, Eric. Okay. Um, of all your retro systems, which is the one you've spent the most hours on in this last year, since we're kind of creeping up on the end of the year, when you think about all your systems, which ones have you spent the most time on? And this one's hard for me because I, I honestly do spend a lot of time, or a, a little time, I should say, on, like, everything. Yeah, um, same here. Uh, so, I mean, it would hard for me, it'd be hard for me not to say the Commodore just because I always have it plugged in and there's new stuff coming out for it weekly. Uh, so I'm always trying new stuff on the Commodore. Um, outside the Commodore of that, 64, right? Commodore 64, yeah, I'm sorry, I just, yeah. Uh, outside of that, uh, it, I mean, probably a lot of NES or honestly, the MSX has taken a lot of my time. That'd be my, um, my surprise pick for the year. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I would have to say also the Commodore 64, <laughs> just because it has such a vibrant community and there's so many games coming out for it. And I always like to yep. try those games, but also, and this was more maybe in the last six months maybe five months is the Amiga CD 32, man. I love that machine and yeah. I've been using it. I've been using the crap out of it. It's like most of my spare time now is sitting down, booting that thing up and we'll be talking more about it later. Cause I gave, I gave it some upgrades, man. I'm kicking now, it into overdrive. 
I think I think that's been the the one. So I got you know my my little deck of cards here from uh, Retro Gamer that has all these systems on it. You know I've been kind of like checking off the systems I don't have in this little deck here. Yeah, and that's the one the CD32 is in here, and that's the one that I just have the hardest time being like I. But there's of course there's a collector in me that wants it, but. Yeah, I just feel I don't want to buy another Amiga system until I get my one of my other like setups going. And it's just yeah. Kills the funny me. thing is though, once you get it and then you get it like recapped, it's probably going to be the most reliable system True. Amiga that you have because man, mine mine just works. After just I got works. it recapped and everything, it just works and works and works. And All works. right, Tim, and go ahead. I've been set, playing it a lot. Go ahead and uh, set me up with one, Tim. Just go for it. I'll, <laughs> I'll pay back. He always asks me. He's like, "Oh, Cody, I might have a lead on another one." I'm like, "Ah." Right. I want to say yes, but I, I want to say no. I don't know. You can get show information on our podcast at pixelguiden.com. You can also listen to our show on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos podcast. You can reach us on Twitter using at pixel underscore guiden. You can reach Eric at the project. That's at D-U-H p-r-o-j-e-c-t and you can reach cody at oddball which is at o-d-d-b-a-1149 you can also reach me that's tim at sanxion and that's at s-a-n-x-i-o-n please review us on itunes or apple podcasts or any of the other podcatchers that you use it really helps us out you can email us on podcast at pixelguiden.com. And we'd love any feedback. And also, please let us know if we've done anything wrong, and we'll mention it on the next show. We also have a Patreon account set up, so if you wish to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. You can support us with as little as a dollar all the way up to infinite dollars. If you do so, you'll get access to the Amigos Retro Network Discord server, where all kinds of cool chat is happening about not only our show, but the other shows, such as Bright Castle and, of course, the Amigos, um, amongst other shows. And there's various other topics in there, um, everything from for sale to music to uh, high score contests, things like that. If you support us at the $3 or more tier, we'd like to announce every supporter at that level here on the show in a way that we can only do here on Pixel Guide and using our random adjective generator. And to do so this month, we are going to get lost in the boundaries of our own minds. As we walk among the neon blades of glowing grass, we see the nutty Dustin Newell and the genteel Matthew Ackerman. Cool water rushes up to greet us, and soon we find ourselves floating on a slow, lazy river alongside the faulty Daniel James, the fanatical Josh Malone, and the organic Eric Sandgren. Looking skyward, we see the fluffy, white pillows that are clouds in the shape of the quarrelsome David Vincent. The ruddy tenant in Mega Retrocast and the mighty Roy Fielding. Our backs start to tingle, and we realize a number of large insects have fashioned themselves into a raft. 
we are being carried downstream. On the shore, we see friends waving at us. The smiling face of the jazzy Mr. Toast. The absurd Machi Sosnowski. The thoughtful Paradroid. And the evanescent Ramoke Ramoke. Soon we feel the weight being lifted off our feet as we are lifted skyward by some shining golden butterflies. Peering into their faces, we see the wasteful Ann Stiller, the sticky Mitsuyama, the innate Gary Heather, and the jittery Brian Arsenault. As we move ever higher, we look down to see the mountains and trees distant below. Suddenly, we're falling down, down, until we splat into a green pile of goo, startling the onlookers. The shocking Paul Jacobson, the aback Jason Holland, and new to the podcast, the wakeful Mark Scott. Hey guys, how about we take a little break and check with our friend over the pond? That's right, it's tea time with Tim. Hey there, all you lovely Pixel Guiding podcast listeners. Welcome back to another Tea Time with Tim. Coming up on this episode, we're going to be talking all about a very special addition to my retro collection, and that's the Sharp X68000. That was the wonderful sounds of Bubble Bubble on the Sharp X68000. That has a really arcade faithful version, and we'll talk about that another time. Now, if you will indulge me, I will explain about how getting one of these quite hard to come by computers from Japan came about. This is something I've really been looking forward to telling you all about for quite a while now, as it's taken a little while to make this happen. I have kind of referenced this a couple of times in catching up with the guys, but now we're ready to go. Back in the early part of the year, my very, very good friend, Gary, that's at S-T-O-M-P-Y-R-R on Twitter, and I were chatting, and he was wanting advice on getting a C64 into his already awesome retro gaming collection. Well, of course, I immediately said, come on, dude. I've got you covered here. So I pulled out one of my nice working bread bins, as this was the aesthetic he was wanting to look for, rather than the Commodore 64, uh, the C version, which was the white colour. He wanted the beige bread bin style. I spent some time getting the C64 looking all real nice and clean and tidy. I took apart all the keyboard and got that all cleaned up, um, cleaned up the motherboard and got everything working nice and ready. Um, I also got some things like a reconditioned C64 Euro-style power supply from at Commodore Lad. He guts the insides of the original PSUs and adds in modern approved parts to give a stable and safe power supply in an original-looking power supply case. Also, with your choice of coloured power LED, which is really cool. I also got Gary the Kung Fu Flash, an original 1541 disk drive, a C2N tape deck and a bunch of games on tape. Once this was sorted and delivered to him, we spent some time together and set it up and we were playing a few Commodore 64 games. I was super happy that another C64 had found a new home. 
We agreed that neither of us wanted to get involved with payment in the form of money. We normally do similar to what myself, Cody and Eric do. We find cool stuff for each other and send it, swapping over kit, not really worrying about who paid for what. It's all about getting the cool stuff that many of us want in our collections and then just swapping between us. That's what I like to do. Rather than chancing your arm selling things on eBay, when things can get damaged in the post, you have to refund, get damaged good back, or maybe never even get them back at all. This way works so much easier for me. Anyway, sometime after the swap, we caught up with each other and were discussing what would be good for my collection. Gary has always been a guy that knows his way around the Japanese import market and has found some great deals in the past. One of the main things Gary has collected for over the years is the very obscure and little-known Sharp X68000. Now, Gary has had a few of these systems in his collection and had one that had been left for a while now after a PSU modification. He offered this one to me in exchange for all the work I put in on getting the C64 sorted for him. I was very happy with this. I knew it would need some work and time dedicated to getting this set up and working. A month or so had passed and Gary said to me that he had got round to sorting out the X68000 to the point it's now working. So about a week ago I went over to see Gary and take a look at the X68000. We spent a few hours getting everything configured on the 68000, uh, working with some of the uh, adapters and cables that I needed to get everything working. I'll go into a bit more detail about that later, but first let's go into a few details about the actual 68000 itself. So then, the X68000 is very much a Japanese computer of its time. Please don't think of this as a games console, although you could, it could be considered as mostly used for games. Think of it kind of as the Japanese answer to the Amiga A2000. At the time, it was very advanced, coming with a standard 1 meg memory and twin motorised 5.25 inch floppy drives on the front of the system. It has a separate base unit and keyboard and stands vertically in the majority of the revisions of the X68000. As the name suggests, and this is where of some of the similarities to the Amiga comes in, is it runs a 68000 CPU. However, this was not the standard Motorola CPU. This was running a 68000 clone by Hitachi, namely the HD68HC000. This version runs at 10 MHz as opposed to the Amiga that runs at around about 7 MHz. Like the Amiga, the X68000 did not just rely on the CPU alone. There were some custom chips that Sharp designed. These were the graphics chip, which is called the Cynthia, which was co-designed by Sharp and Hudson Soft. A sound chip, which was the Yamaha YM2151. This is an OPM, which is an FM operator type M chip. Is an 8 channel 4 operator sound chip. This chip was also used in some of the most famous Yamaha DX range of synths in the 80s. So you can imagine, this gives an amazing sound capabilities. Later on, in the different revisions of the X68000, it would go from the SASE interface, which is the Shugart Associates system interface, to the now standard SCSI interface for connecting hard drives. 
And then the CPU was changed from running the Hitachi 10 megahertz to a Motorola 68000 that can be switched between 10 and 16 megahertz. This is the version that I have in my X68000. The last revision of the X68000 was actually the X68030 HD and the X68030 HD Compact. As the name suggests, this included the faster MC68030 CPU from Motorola. This was launched in 1993, with the first version of the X68000 being released in 1987. At a similar time of the systems, like we know, the PC Engine, Master System and the Nintendo Entertainment System. So all things considered, the X68000 for its time was a very advanced computer. Let me introduce you to my X68000. But just before I do, I want to say a big thank you to Gary, who was very generous in letting me have this X68000. Gary and myself have been friends for a few years now and try and find time as often as we can to meet up, play some games and drink some beer. Gary has a fantastic collection from his first love of the ZX Spectrum. The next system he owned was an Atari ST. He has an awesome Atari collection with a few STs like the Mega ST and the extremely rare Falcon 030 numerous other 8-bit and 16-bit computers and consoles, and with his experience importing from Japan, he has some real Japanese treasures like the FM Towns, the Sega Terra Drive, and of course, the X6800. Gary is an avid board gamer, something that I'm not really into, but we keep saying we will try and find some time to get into this one day. So, thank you again, Gary. The X68000 I have is the XV1, or the 16, Pro HD Edition. It stands vertical and is split in two sides, left and right. It joins in the middle and has a very neat carry handle that you push down on and it pops up to use the handle. Then you pull up the handle up all the way, carry it to your destination and then push it back down until it clicks in place. Very satisfying. As mentioned, this is the HD version. Now that doesn't stand for high definition, that stands for hard disk. This one has an inbuilt SCSI interface and also has the original drive inside. It's a noisy beast and was working when we did the test at Gary's. Although I was super careful on the drive home, by the time I got this home, it had all but expired. And this is what caused me some initial issues when getting it all set up and working at home. Each side of the tower unit, you have different parts of the system. As you look at it from the front, the left side has the power supply, SCSI drive, floppy drives and cables. In the right hand side, it has two expansion ports inside. And this is also the side that has the memory expansion slot that maxes out the memory to its limit of 12 meg. Looking at the front, on the left hand side, it has the lovely X68000 logo on top and under are the two slot loading mechanical five and a quarter inch disk drives, both with eject buttons. Both of these drives appear to work just fine. We did load some games from them and I also have a copy of the Sharp Master Disk that is an essential and I will come to that later on. Under the disk drive, you have the base. On the left-hand side, this has a headphone socket, a 9-pin D-type MSX-compatible two-button joystick port, and a soft power button. Interestingly, the X68000 was one of the first computers 
to employ the power button as a soft power switch rather than the physical switch. Moving to the right hand side you have the top of the case at the reset button, an NMI button that will cause an interrupt in the system. I've personally not found a use for this yet and next to this is the CPU speed select switch. You can select this between 10 and 16 megahertz. Moving further down to the front you have LED displays. One of those is an LED for showing whether you're in 10 or 16 megahertz, a timer LED and an HD busy light. At the very bottom you have the sharp logo and then down to the base where you have a volume control as the sharp outputs sound by default to the inbuilt speaker. This speaker is way better than the standard PC speaker. Then you have what looks like PS2 keyboard and mouse ports. However, these are proprietary ports and not standard PS2. You need to have an adapter if you want to use a PS2 keyboard and mouse. Gary has kindly lent me a spare original Sharp keyboard until I can get a suitable replacement or run some PS2 converters. Next is some of the technical niggles that came with setting up the X68000. First up is when the system came out in Japan. Its monitor was a CRT which was sold by Sharp. This was a tri-frequency monitor that ran at 15, 24 and 31 kilohertz. This is the challenge when trying to get the X68000 onto any monitor or display. Finding a display that will run NTSCJ at these frequencies is a real challenge. Even when Gary kindly loaned me his open source scan converter, outputting the HDMI signal from this was not easy. I have several HDMI devices and even ones that are designed to run at 15 ki- 15 hertz would display some 15 and 31 but not at 24 kilohertz i did manage to get it working on two of my displays my big in focus 40 inch display and also a samsung lcd screen that's a number of years old now but yet more of a challenge came along in the form of even when i got a display to work the x68000 is not the most of friendly systems to say hey i'm here and ready Unlike starting up a a console or a PC, you get a boot-up screen like a logo or the BIOS post message saying, yep, I have this chipset, this much RAM, and I'm looking for hardware. No, not the X68000. Unless it sees something it can boot from, it gives you little or no feedback. So this kept me guessing why it was not booting when the internal SCSI hard drive failed. Because it could not see something on the SCSI bus, it was just sitting there and giving a blank screen. Even pressing reset, it would just resync the signal and just give a blank screen. Thankfully, while I was at Gary's and we were testing out the X68000, Gary furnished me with another cool device he had been trying to get to grips with himself. And this being a neat SCSI device called the Ra SCSI. This is a separate daughter board that is open source or you can purchase it pre-built from a few places that you can attach to a Raspberry Pi and it will boot into a bare metal OS and act as a SCSI target. You place the pre-set up hard disk images on the root of the SD card in the Pi. So you have a config file which you put the name of your hard drive image that you've put onto the SD card. You give it the SCSI ID number And there you have a virtual SCSI disk mountable. Oh, simple I hear you say? No, not at all. 
part of the complication with the SCSI configuration, not just on the RAS SCSI, but when you actually get to the X68000 itself, is that it doesn't have a built-in like a CMOS or BIOS management from boot. You have no way of changing this without actually getting the 68000 to boot in the first place. So this is where you need the master disk and at least one working disk drive for your X68000. Or as in the words of Aaron from Amigos, you're boned. So this is taking me hours of getting the configuration just right. Although Gary has used the X68000, he has not had a lot of chance to use the RAS SCSI that much. Plus, with the internal SCSI drive not working, but we're not 100% sure of this, it took a while to get the configuration going. To change the firmware settings and boot the device on the X68000, you need to use a program that you run from the master disk called Switch. This gives you a configuration screen similar to a PC BIOS setup screen. You can select the boot device, RAM configuration, SCSI ID and a number of other settings. This is where the next part of the confusion came in. But to cut a long story short, you have to set the boot section to match the SCSI ID number that you assigned to the disk image in the RAR SCSI config file. What threw me here is there are two sections where you can possibly configure a SCSI ID. You've got one that actually says SCSI ID at the bottom of the settings, and this is set to 7. Apparently you need to leave that setting well alone and just let it be on 7. I was changing this to match this, the ID in the configuration file on the RAR SCSI, and this was not correct. After leaving that setting well alone, I then went back to the boot setting, and you have to change this to SCSI 3 and that denotes SCSI ID 3, which is what I'd set in the RAR SCSI configuration. Save this off and rebooted it, and hey presto, the boot image booted straight from the RAR SCSI, and I had my working 68000. Once I was up and running with this disk image, it has a whole bunch of games that you can run directly from the hard drive. And let me tell you, with the Yamaha sound chip and the Cynthia graphics chip, this computer is capable of so many close to perfect arcade conversions. Like the aforementioned Bubble Bubble, also included on the disk image folder, is a folder called Media. In this, me in this folder has a media player and some MIDI files. As this has the Yamaha synth chip, you can imagine that you can play some amazing tunes on this. There's even a brilliant rendition of the Sonic the Hedgehog music on this. And sounds on games like Street Fighter 2 and Final Fight are pretty much arcade perfect. So that's it then for the story of how I got the X68000 working and some of the fun I had getting it set up. What I am planning for Tea Time with Tim next month is a follow-up talking about some of the games and we'll also make a hopefully we'll make a video that you can watch along on youtube as well as i think you really need to see this system for yourself if you've not seen one before maybe i will try and get gary on to talk to us about the x68000 as well so that's it for this month don't forget if you have any feedback on this please let me know if i've got anything wrong or if you have any experience with the X68000 yourself and have some suggestions for next month's episode, I would love to hear back from you. You can hit me up on the usual show email address, which is podcast at pixelguiden.com or follow me and message me on Twitter. That's at Sanxian. Anyway, thanks for listening and I'll throw it back to the guys. Recording.
We want to thank all of our Patreons, patrons, yes. patrons, Pat. I can never. I don't know what the pro- appropriate way to say that is. Well, they are patons, but it is from a service called Patreon. That's why I say so patrons. I think that's what it is. That's so I think I'm either one's with. right. I think well, you could say patrons or patreons, right? Well, I always say Patreon, so I'm going to go with that. So thank you guys okay. so much uh, <laughs> for giving us your hard-earned cash so we can drink it away live on air like we're doing right now. Yes. Oh, I just... My beer decided to um, launch itself all over my knee. Woo! Not good. That beer is... Um, it's got a got a formidable scent all right so i just dug right into mine but eric uh some of the folks might not know that we now live uh over an hour apart and we no longer can yes. have the same beers at the same time i mean i guess we could if i'm we hoping picked... uh, yeah, yeah i'm hoping to fix that soon i'm gonna try to get a beer express ex- beer express going <laughs> i figured out a way i've been working on this really i think i figured out a way to make it work i think it's vital to make the show happen yeah so my beer it's, today, funner, it's more fun when we rate them together. It is funner. It's more funner. <laughs> I, saw you, I heard you correct yourself. Uh, my beer is, uh, is from a local brewery here. Okay. Again, um, if you're not familiar with California, and even a lot of Californians don't know, but there is a town just next to Auburn called Cool. That's right. I've you must be it. cool if you're in Cool, California. And actually, my wife and I looked into moving there, but getting there, you have to go up this like road that is only five miles long, but takes about 20 minutes because it's back and forth, like switchbacks, yeah, crazy. Um, and a lot of people like can't just get sick on that road. Anyways. It's treacherous. It is treacherous. This is a, uh, a beer from Cool Brew Works. Is that what it's called? Cool, cool Beer Works. I'm sorry. I was so close. And it is called... Angel Cot Heavenly Sour. Angel Cot? Angel Cot. Have you not heard okay. of an Angel Cot? I have not heard of an Angel Cot. I don't even know what that is. So I don't know if... This is another thing I think is Californian in nature, but we like to take stone fruits, different stone fruits, mm-hmm. like a, a plum and a yeah. apricot, and we mix them together and call it a pluot. Because you can literally, I guess, you know, shove these two fruits into, I don't know test tubes and uh, stem cells and stuff and make like <laughs> stem cells. so an angel cot is a type yeah. of apricot mixed with something else and i can't remember exactly what but um and this is a sour made off of it so it's an angel mixed with a portable bed angel <laughs> it says uh, a hybrid of iranian and moroccan apricot varieties hmm so I guess they are both apricots, but they're two different varieties of apricots. So is it a sour? It is a sour. It is a heavenly sour. Ooh, my goodness. What are you sipping on? So mine is also a somewhat local brew. It is called, it's from Tahoe Style Blonde Ale. All right. Wait, actually, I'm sorry. The brewing company, it's, this, their can is very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> It's a 50-50 brewing company. Have you heard of it? 50-50 brewing company. That sounds familiar. It's called Truckee Blonde, and it's called a Tahoe-style blonde ale. You can see it here. I have seen that, yeah. Okay, cool. And I had never tried this one. I saw a six-pack at the store, so I grabbed it. It says on the can, light, crisp, refreshing blonde ale designed to quench your thirst on a warm summer day. And guess what? 
It's not summer. <laughs> it's not summer. It's not warm. Nope. But I've been drinking a lot of porters and and uh, you know like uh, stouts lately, T-tis and so season. I decided take a little break and do something light. Get a Tahoe Blonde Ale. So here we go. Cheers, All right, my friend. Cheers, my friend. Woo! Oh, yours is definitely colored. It's apricot colored. You know what? Why is my oh, my thing decided to stop working again? That's awesome. Uh, well, just imagine there's a bomb sound right there. <laughs> I'm taking a sippy poo. Yeah, yours mm-hmm. is definitely apricot colored. I can see it through the camera. Can you? Yeah. Mine is just, mine's a very, very light Ooh. blonde colored. Interesting. So it's very, I'm going to say the word juicy, but I mean that like literally like juice. Yeah, almost okay. So I mean, almost we we've had beers like that where it's almost like a fruit juice, and it's actually got like almost no carbonation to speak of. Huh? That's that's I don't I'm not a big fan of beers with very little carbonation. Yeah, it's almost um it, it feels like I'm drinking like thinned out syrup. Yeah, the look on hmm. your face. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, am I that? The look obvious? on your face it does it does not seem like an appealing beer. Well. I want to like it more than I do, but all right. All right. I'm going in. Uh, so there's a picture of an angel angel holding apricots. And I mean that in more ways than one. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. This angel apparently doesn't believe in clothes. And so I'm going to go with, uh, out of, uh, 70 angel feathers. Because apparently I'm guessing angels molt. Do they uh, lose their feathers as, they have to. They have to. I don't right. know. I'm not an angel expert. We need but. to keep the new ones coming in. Man, this one could be good if the carbonation was right. Yeah, because if it's if it's like fruity and syrupy, it needs to be carbonated for sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a 46. It, 46 out of 7. 46 it, out of... Did you say 70? Out of 70, yeah. 40, okay, 46, 46 out of 70. Of, it's a bummer, too, because the, the woman I got it from at the store, when she saw it, she got all excited. She's like, oh, that's a good one. So I had high hopes, but and now it's just tastes like cough syrup. We have different tastes. <laughs> <laughs> so mine, mine is like for a such a light colored blonde, it's got a lot of flavor. Yeah. All right. The only problem is that flavor t- is a little almost tangy but hoppy. Which tangy when hop. I drink a bl- when I have a blonde ale, I want it to be smooth and refreshing. Hmm. This one's a little got. This one's got some tang up front. Woof. So I'm gonna. Did you know that 70? Eric? Did you know that in um, <laughs> uh, folklore has it that there are exactly seventy um, dead bodies floating in the bottom of Lake Tahoe. Seventy. Seventy, Eric. So you have to rate it out of how many dead bodies. So that's a, that's a real dead. that's a real. Um, I don't know if we want to say a real folklore or a real. So in theory, you know. Lake Tahoe and there's the, you know, the Cal Neva club. And it's supposed to be this area where when they were building, um, Tahoe and Reno and stuff, there was like a mafia thing going on. And, uh, yeah. you know, the, the lore has it that, um, you know, dead bodies were thrown into Tahoe and they sink, except Tahoe is so deep. They sink to a certain height in the water, yeah. depth in the water. And so apparently the, you know, I, what is it like 700 feet deep or something? And, you know, there's a certain level, I guess, where either the water pressure or the temperature or something, the bodies are supposed to be like perfectly pr- preserved, floating, uh, so many feet off the bottom of the of the of Lake Tahoe. Huh. That's that's the lore. All right. Well, 
So there well, you I go. Have, <laughs> I have 70 dead bodies in Tahoe. Mafia buried dead bodies. Yeah, yeah. Um, Off the record. I'm going to give this one a, it's not bad. It's like I said, it's very flavorful. I'm going to give it a fifth. I'm going to give it a solid 50 out of 70. Is that solid? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's solid number. It's round. I'm going to give it a round number of about 50, maybe 52. Okay. So we're, we're both not loving our beers, but hey, nope. it's nope. it's better than not having beer. I'm still happy with my Thank beer. You. That is true. That is true. Uh, coming up on the show, everybody, I should have mentioned this earlier instead of a half an hour in, uh, we have a yeah. game show coming up because Tim's going to join us. Our uh, co-host, Tim, or um, I guess it's still a co-host, even though, even though there's more than two, right? Yeah. Yeah. You can be, you can have three co-hosts. Sure. So um, he's, he's hopping on the show. We have a game show. Um, we're going to go ahead and catch up like we like to do on our second episode every month. And then... We have a six good games. Uh, I'm sorry, six good. We have, I'm getting it backwards again. We have a battle of the systems, Eric, which you battle came up with. Battle of the systems. I did. Yes. So the battle of the systems is a Dreamcast title called Super Magnetic Neo. Super Magnetic Neo versus a PS1 classic, Crash Bandicoot. There you go. All right, let's go ahead and get Tim on the blower here. He was like. Ooh. And with that cough, that means that Tim is now on the show. <laughs> Did you get that? Sorry about that. <laughs> I was going to put a sound. My, it's a good job I didn't do my voice except me, 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 me. We'll cut in right there. <laughs> I was going to use like a sound effect to show the transition of time, but instead we're just going to use your cough. That works just fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I do apologize. There might be a few more coughs. I've got to dive for the mute button because I'm still... Not 100% over my cold and flu and stuff that's oh, been going on recently. Good stuff, anyway. good stuff. So as I like to do every year and make a joke of it, happy Thanksgiving, Tim. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that joke is so entertaining to me. So, to the Americans listening, Thanksgiving uh, is only American. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it, it only <laughs> dawned we, on... We don't, we don't celebrate over here, but we're very much aware of it, especially now we know some of the history behind it. <laughs> But I can legitimately we, we, say say that us self centered Americans like don't understand why you wouldn't have Thanksgiving because we're that exactly, dumb. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> sort of like what? Why? You know why we don't ce- celebrate other religious festivals and all that sort of stuff? Yeah. Why would you not do that? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, um, I see you have uh, your Christmas sweater on. It's not quite a Christmas Christmas sweater, but it's it is festive. Well, yeah, it's it's just it's just warm. It's a warm sweater because this this is just literally this week here. It's just turned really really cold. It's been we've been really lucky actually. It's been quite mild here, but um, yeah, it's it's so British of me, isn't it, to start talking about the weather, right? Right, and then <laughs> and on the on the contrast, it's also cold over here. But Eric and I are wearing t-shirts because we have heaters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm wearing shorts <laughs> too. The problem is, is we've got an energy crisis over here, so we can't afford to put heaters on at the moment because our bills have just gone straight through the roof. Eric is Eric is straight on modeling his his uh, yeah basketball shorts. What do you want to call them? Look at that classic (laughs) bit of Eric leg there. Exactly. (laughs) Trying to get. So I hate to ask this uh, live to tape here, but Tim, did you have the game show or no? No. Well, then I, ha- I have actually got something prepared. Do you? But it wasn't. It's not 
a game show in that respect, but it was just something to do with one of the things that we were going to talk about today. So, All right, well, I I can... put together an actual game show real quick here for you. So okay. I say we let the listeners have what they want, which is a whole bunch of uh, questions we're going to get wrong while they yell at their speakers in their car and t- tell us how stupid we are for not knowing video games when we have a video game podcast. Well, of course. Fair enough. Traditional now, isn't it? Yeah, Sounds fair I, to me. I threw this together. I thought it'd be fun and quick, but let's go ahead and do a Games with Bizarre Names game show. All right, gentlemen. So the way this game is going to work, I'll give you a test question here to get the idea across, but it's very simple. I picked out games I just think have funny names, and uh, I just need you guys to tell me what system they're on. Okay. Basically just testing oh. the depth of your uh, game title knowledge. So, for example... Here's a, here's a, this is not one, uh, this is not a, a, a scored question, but if I were to tell you what system was this game on, it is called How to Be a Complete Bastard. Uh, that's on the Commodore 64 Spectrum and, uh, probably Amstrad as well. Eric, is he right? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> The only reason I didn't use that question is because, yeah, it's on, like, three different systems, and you named all of them. So, well done, sir. You won You won the, the round with no points associated with it. That would be the only one I'll get right. <laughs> awesome. All right. All right, game show starts now. Ready? You guys okay, can write, write this down. You don't, you don't even need to write it down. I'll just let you guys, when you guys are ready, I'll just do a three, two, one. You guys both just say it out loud. How about that? <laughs> okay. okay. That'll be perfect for you know auditory information. Uh, game number one. What system is this game on? The Floygan Brothers. I'm going to say. Hold on, hold on. Does, does, oh, okay. does Tim have it? What was it? What was it again? The Floygan Brothers. Flo- oh, Floygan. I don't even know what that means. This one I pulled right off my head because I just actually know this one. Uh, All right, okay. we're gonna we're gonna do a three, two, one. You just say the system. Three, two, one. NES. I was, I was gonna say the same exact thing. <laughs> I really was. Then why didn't you just Nintendo say it? Entertainment say it at the system. Same time, Eric. I feel like Eric should lose points for not getting the game concept down here. <laughs> uh, it is on the Dreamcast, the Sega Dreamcast. Oh, wow. wow. They're like, no, yeah, we're gonna on. make some money. Let's make a game. We're gonna call it the Floygan Brothers. All right. Floygan. Here's a very famous game, and this game was also on uh, a computer system. We're talking about the video game system specifically. Plumbers don't wear ties. That that was the game title. That wasn't a <laughs> that wasn't commentary. Wasn't a, a factual comment, yeah. <laughs> For the fun of it, I would let you know that it was recently released on PlayStation Four, uh, Xbox, Switch, and PlayStation Five. <laughs> <laughs> it was re-released, I think, as a joke because it's an awful, awful game. Plumbers don't wear ties. All right, I'm gonna do my three, two, one. Ready? Yeah. Yep. Three, two, one. PlayStation. Super Nintendo. 3DO would have been the correct answer. The wow. 3DO. <laughs> it is a uh, a not um. What's the word I'm looking for? It is a, a romantic comedy with adult themes. Hmm. We'll put it that yeah. way. Bit but like the farmer's daughter, then. Not, not quite that. Uh, yeah, perverse. I guess. I mean, <laughs> not as great as the farmer's daughter. A PG thirteen game, though. How about that? Yeah, er- Eric. Eric did something that went mildly viral. 
<laughs> wow, though. A little bit, yeah. Without having to go to see the doctor, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the next game on the list. Uh, I'm thinking you guys are going to get this one. This one, this one might be more in the in the you know the zeitgeist of uh, video gaming here. Einhander, which I'm sure I'm saying wrong, because there's an ah. umlaut over that a. Einhander, how about that? I think you, I think you got it pretty much right. Uh, that means Eric, Eric knows what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Score is currently zero to zero. Poker face on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ready? Yep. Three, two, one. PS One. Eric got it correct. The PlayStation. Unless you want me to be technical and say no, the PS One is the new PlayStation. I was talking about the original PlayStation. That's the one I was talking about. <laughs> I know you talked about the one. All right, one to zero, one to zero. All right. This one, this one um, is well. This this one's another one. Spanky's Quest. <laughs> Part of the game also and these is, are, not, is not. These laughing are all consoles, at. right? These are all consoles you're talking about. These are all consoles. Yep, uh, I have no okay. no computer systems on this list. I, I take it back. You, I take it back. I take it back. Uh, there is a wedge computer on this list. Okay. Uh, can you repeat the question? The question, Eric, is Spanky's quest. <laughs> okay. Okay. Three, two, one. Mega Sega Drive Master System. Ooh, you guys both went Sega. I'm sorry, the correct answer was Super Nintendo. I'm really curious. If you uh, listeners at home, when we're done with this, be honest and send us your score. I'm very curious how many of these uh, people actually do know. I'd actually heard of that one, and I was sure it would. Did, did, did it not get a version on the Mega Drive? At least you got the generation right. I didn't even get the generation. Right. The source I got said Super Nintendo, but that era did have a lot of crossover. Um. Okay. All right, the next game. I'm, I'm, I, eh, we'll see. I, I think one of you might get it. The name of the game is "If It Moves, Shoot It!" Exclamation point. It is a shmup called "If It Moves, Shoot It." Okay. Now, naturally, you're going to think that's a very American thing to say. Oh, wow. is that a quiz? Is that a clue? <laughs> or am I trying to throw you off your game? Yeah, could be. Mm-hmm. All right, three, two, one. Play Super Nintendo. Amiga. Amiga. That is wow. the one. That is the computer one. I, I almost glossed over. I thought you guys might get that one. I don't know why. No. All right, we're getting we're getting weirder and weirder. I'm going to give you a hint on this one. This next game is on a handheld system. All right, we're going to narrow it down. Okay. Extreme sports with the Bernstein Bears. <laughs> On what system would you want to play extreme sports with the Bernstein Bears? Okay, I think I'm ready. Three, two, one. Nintendo DS. Do mm, you guys went on either side of it? It is the the Game Boy Color. The Game Boy Color. I should probably get points for that. <laughs> I'll give you I'll give you a third of a point, but we're rounding down. Oh. I, should, I should get a point because I said Nintendo. <laughs> it's All the right. closest I've got so far. So I'm gonna mix these next four up in order because I just realized there is a second wedge computer on here, so 
I, I don't want to be a liar. Alright, so somewhere in the next four, there's a wedge computer. I'll just okay. throw it out there. Um, the next game is Ninja Hamster. Ninja Hamster. Three, two, one. Zip Commodore expected. 64. Ooh, Eric got it with the Commodore 64. Although Tim seems very done on the spectrum as well. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, see now you're gonna make me look it up because my sure sources. It I think it was an, a multi-format budget title. Most of those were, aren't weren't they? Let me see. So if you, by the way, T- if you type Tim in, reaches behind him and grabs the tape. <laughs> yeah. <I know. laughs> no, Typically, that's what happens. We got that. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was done on the spectrum as well. Well, I'm gonna do I know a quick. It's definitely go- on the 64, but I thought it was spectrum as well. Uh. You guys are both correct, because, yes, Tim, it is also on the Spectrum. I'm looking at gameplay Boom. of it right now. And not only am I looking at gameplay of it, but... Oh, no, no, I take it back. I was going to say, it actually looks kind of good, but then I went full screen. It does not look good. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that is an awful, awful-looking combat game. You know what it looks like? It looks like an old um, like Tiger Electronics game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, two to one, two to one, two to one. Yay, I get a point. All right, this next uh, this next game was listed on two systems, so either one's right. Big Mother Truckers Two, Truck Me Harder. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, it doesn't have to be inappropriate if you don't laugh about it and make it obvious. All right. <laughs> you guys have your system of choice. I'm yeah. S- yeah. Three, two, one. Dream PlayStation Cup. 2. Ooh. PlayStation 2 and Xbox are what I have down. So I, I believe it. I believe that is that three to one? No. Yeah. Or is That's it th- three to one, yeah. Although now now I'm gonna have to question my own my own logic here. Big mother truckers. Two. Careful how you tie that one. I know, right? Yeah. Actually I, I did spell it wrong. I spelled trackers. <laughs> it's also on Steam right now, so if you guys are curious, hop on Steam. I'm just double checking to make sure I'm not a liar. PlayStation 2 and Xbox and PC, okay, cool. but PC doesn't count. All right. <clears throat> uh, two left here. This next game, and you're not allowed to laugh. This next game uh, re- was released. It, it's a, from a Korean developer, but it was uh, released in multiple regions and for some reason they never decided to change the name it's actually not a game it's actually a dictionary alright so it's actually a piece of software for a video game system that's a dictionary the name of the game is touch dick (laughs) now if I didn't hear I see two people with very stoic faces but I heard a laugh come out of like a nostril or something there what system could you get your dictionary fixed by playing Touch Dick? I'm ready. Three, two, one. Game Boy. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what I'm... <laughs> I was going to say Game Boy. <laughs> oh, I was going to say Game Boy. Nintendo DS. Nintendo oh, DS. Oh, Hence the touch. Hence the, uh, the stylus. All right. Well, Tim, you can't come back, but for the fun of it, we'll finish this thing out. 
This is a game that I mentioned on the show recently in a previous quiz, so there's no way you can get this one wrong. On what system will you find Princess Tomato in the Salad Kingdom? Princess... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me translate. Princess Tomato That's in the Salad Kingdom. I understand. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be very proud to know I, I had tea today at tea time. Nice. It was, it was quite a thing for me. And I think I might did do you, it more often. Did you, did you extend your pinky while drinking? <laughs> I did not, but I did put milk in it. Or I'm surprised to be cream. I don't know. I put milk in it. Do we have a system? I do. All right. Three, two, one. PlayStation. Nintendo Entertainment System. Eric, you are the winner. Four to one. Well done, sir. Thank you. applause button here. Well Yay. done. You know when you Yay can't hear the sound effects, the energy it doesn't come doesn't come through the uh, the headphones, does it? No. <laughs> the the suspenseful music. Dun 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 dun. dun, dun, dun. Well I done, Tim. Well done. Well, well deserved. Oh, well, I hope that went all right. I I threw that together right before the show. <laughs> 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 um, I think it's time that we caught up catching up with Eric and Cody and Tim it's me that's you um so I will I, I will take the first topic here because uh, I'm just going to point out that uh, moving takes months and I did not get a chance to do a whole lot so I'm going to rely heavily on living vicariously through my fellow co-hosts so let's let's just start there, Eric. <laughs> and it looks like we got a lot of stuff to cover. So at least we we I think, Tim and I kept busy. Kept, yeah, well, we kept busy. I think you kept busy a lot more than I did. So <laughs> we kept the home fires burning. Yeah. So Eric, right. you have the first thing here, which is uh, extremely cool. Yeah. So the SX sixty four that you graciously gave to me. Um. I the it is done. It is completely done. I I put the 3D printed side moldings on it. I was able to get the wiring correct correct in it. Um I was able to get sound to work and so basically I took my SX64, the CRT inside was dead, took it out, put in an LCD. Um, stop stop and, real quick. I just I just want to make sure again cuz I'm I'm hoping we yeah. have a lot of listeners that don't know what that is. So Yeah. Uh, so that is the luggable luggable Commodore 64. It's pretty much like a, a portable Commodore 64 that has a tiny five inch LCD screen. Um, it has a keyboard that pops out of it so that you can, and Compute. it's got a wire that connects to it. Um, but it is a, it, it, and when, to say it's portable is pretty much giving it too much credit because the thing is very, <laughs> very heavy. Although now mine, mine isn't as heavy as it was because the LCD is much lighter than the CRT. Um, and so I got everything working and I put it together and it works great. I played some games on it. It works wonderful. Um, but I do want to do a sound upgrade to it soon because I used the same little tinny speaker that was inside of it. And it's a very old speaker and I don't even think it sounds as good as it probably did when it was new. It's probably worn out. So eventually I'm going to open it back up and put a put a amplifier in there and actually put a decent sound system inside of it because there's plenty of room in there now um and the only other thing i need to do is the <clears throat> and, and this was something that i learned 
doing this upgrade was that every SX64 sold had a major defect in it. Hmm. And that made that major defect is the user port, the one you plug the modem into. Yeah. Doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So doesn't, um, doesn't function. Basically, pins 19 and 20 are fused together like there's a bridge between them. And I didn't know that. I actually put mine back together and I was like, I played some games and I was like, okay, I'm going to connect to a BBS. And I plugged my Wi-Fi modem in there and I got nothing. Wah, nothing wah. worked. Um, I got some garbage on the screen and this and that. And then I went and researched it because I wanted to try to figure out what chip I needed to replace or whatever. And I quickly came across a bunch of articles saying that from the factory, um, the user port is wrong. It works with some devices, but most devices, it does not work. Yeah. And it, it will actually damage a lot of devices. Wow. That's crazy. And so I, I don't know if my, my Wi-Fi modem's damaged or not. I doubt it. But so basically I need to open it back up and cut a bridge between pins 19 and 20. And then once I do that, um, that should be all fixed up and ready to go. Cool. So how long did it take you to mod it completely then? Yeah. So it it took me a while to get the parts in. um, But to do the actual work, I did it all in um, probably maybe three hours, maybe three hours. I had to figure out the wiring from scratch. There were no instructions on what I was doing with this. I mean, there are instructions on installing an LCD, but the one I bought, wasn't the one that was in most of people's instructions. I bought one off of eBay um, and it was not the standard one. So I had to kind of retro, like retrofit what or kind of figure out what I was going to do. And then trying to figure out the wiring that's in the SX 64 to mate to that LCD. It took a lot of, I had to read through a lot of schematics. I had to really dig into it and figure it out, but eventually it all worked out. So so was that was it like um, certain lines off of chips that you had to tap in, or was it just off of the the, it, the actual video line? It was actually off of internally. The way it is is there's these cables um, that uh, go to the CRT, and then there are cables that go to the external monitor port. Right. And so once I figured all that out, I just soldered and tapped into those pins where the connectors went to. Um, but figuring out what pins did what, and then routing them to the right composite signals that go to the LCD took a bit of time. And then when I used the internal CRT one, it would work for about two minutes and then it would go black and white. And I had no idea why it did that. So I had to tap into the other connector. So you tapped into the external connector to the external connector. Yeah. Yeah. And once I did that, it worked perfectly. So, right. At the beginning, the beginning of the show, I said we talked video games and tech. This would be the tech. <laughs> this is the tech. This is the tech area. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're talking technical. Mm, did you did you talk about reverting the coax? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Excellent. So that so, that was a good one. That was that, and then yeah, the other well, it's big funny. project. It, it's funny because we we just had that question, a quick question at the beginning of the show from Pajaco asking about. Um, uh, items that are in our our uh, our broken box of broken dreams. Yes, that yeah. we're lying to ourselves that will never get fixed, and that was mine. So I'm so glad that I give it to you, and it has shown a new life. 
And uh, yeah. next time I come over there, I plan on stealing it back without telling you. <laughs> now that now that it's working, <laughs> I don't think you'll get that one up your jumper. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a big jumper. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one to run out, run out, run away from. Awesome, Eric. You've got the next well, one as well. You said. Yeah, this was the second big hardware project that I worked on. Um, and this is the, my beloved, my crown jewel of my collection, my Amiga CD32 that Tim. Thank you very much. Gave me. But here and here it is. Here's the picture of the CD32. So. So and, and, you know, once I got it recapped and everything, it's it's always worked great. But I always wanted to do a little something extra with this. and so. I, I have two things to show you, but the first one I want to show you, which is the one that took the time, is I did end up getting a terrible fire card that goes into the CD32. Right in the back there? And, yep. And so it plugs right into the expansion port into the back. You can see it kind of sticking out there. And what this is, is a an adapter th an adapter that gives you the ability to use a CF card. It's a memory upgrade. And, and by the way, there are multiple terrible fire cards. This one's the lower end one. This one is the TF328. That's the non-accelerated, isn't it? That, that is the non-accelerated one. And I, when I kind of thought about it, well, first of all, I couldn't find the accelerator one anywhere. So it didn't matter one way or another. But I, I just want to play Amiga games that are generally made for the Amiga system. I don't really need... I don't really need an accelerator. Now, if I find one down the road, I'm happy to get it if it's a reasonable price. I know. Who do we think you are, Doug? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but anyway, um, so this includes a CF, uh, CF card, eight, eight megs of RAM. Um, it, has an, uh, it, it adds an Amiga um, video connector. Yeah, 23-way RGB. Yep. And a PS2 keyboard port. So if you really wanted to just use this as an Amiga 1200, you could. That's cool. That's um, an important addition. Very important. Yeah. So basically, I put this all together, but I didn't have the CF card ready. So I went and I tinkered with CF cards and tinkered with different menuing systems. Mm -hmm. And what I wanted was a CD32 that I could boot up and still play the CDs if I wanted yeah. to. But I could also have a card that booted right into a games menu and had like every WHD load game you can think of for the Amiga. And that's what I did. And I sent you guys a little video of it because I didn't want to have to plug this in and show I you guys. Cause, yep. Yep. But it basically boots up and you just go through a list and there are hundreds and hundreds of games. And it plays Amiga, a, not just a CD32. Plays a funky and, little tune. Yeah, yeah and it plays a fantasies. Funky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Party time, party. Uh, yeah, the the best table ever of pinball in my, my mind. <laughs> and, and if you and if you hover over a game in that list, it shows you the cover art and some statistics like the year it came out and if it what kind of game it is and and stuff like that. It this pretty much is a total all in one game unit for CD32 now that everything is included in. So, um, and I got a really good deal on the the TF card. It was a guy that I had followed on Twitter from Iceland, or I think he's from Iceland. And, uh, he, he was out like uh, he has an Etsy shop and he was out of them. And then I, I asked him, Hey, you know, are you ever going to make another batch? I'd probably be interested. And I asked him months and months and months ago. And finally he just reached out to me and said, Hey, I'm going to make another batch of like three of them. And I jumped in there and grabbed one. And so that's that. So, so that's was one thing. I was, talk, I was talking a little bit to, to Eric about his uh, 
CD32 earlier, Tim, and I know like just an episode or two ago you asked me if I want one. I'm like, ah, I really shouldn't. And now I totally do. <laughs> well, <laughs> coincidentally, Cody. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Really? What's this? Really? <laughs> Where did that come from? Did you, wait, oh, did look you, at that. You just pulled that out of your jumper. <laughs> he did. Eric I, and I have been talking about this secretly <laughs> uh, for, for a little while. <laughs> and I want you to know, Tim, I did not give anything away. Because yeah, we were talking about this before the show, and I was like, okay. It sounds super <laughs> set up now, that I, but no, I literally, like... So I was telling Eric about these, you know, these, and this is not the the, the whole reason, but it's part of it. I'm not going to lie. You know, the little retro gamer cards. Yep. I got them all here. And I'm down to like four that I don't have the systems for on these collector cards. Yep. And I keep looking at, I, I'm looking at the, the ones I don't have. And it's like, some of them are dumb. Like, a, I don't have a, a normal Xbox. Yeah. And I, how do I not own that yet? They're like 20 bucks. I don't know. They're, they're so cheap. And I <laughs> don't have. cheap. I don't have an Atari 5200, which is huge, and they hardly ever work, so that one makes yeah. sense. And But out of all these systems, I'm looking at the CD32, and I'm like, well, I, I absolutely do want it. And the only reason I think I've been putting it off at this po- to this point is that I just have a, a bad taste in my mouth from all the hardware issues I've had with all my Amigas, and exactly. it just it haunts and me. Is, it haunts this me. This is exactly why I wanted to get you <laughs> a good CD32. <laughs> now, the problem is... <laughs> It's over this there. That's the problem. This isn't exactly a good CD32 at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, th- this this is this is completely done with best intentions. So I got the CD32, and it came came through, um, and it was re- for CD32s. It wasn't too bad price. I managed yeah. to work him down a bit on the price. Because I knew I was going to have to get it recapped and all that sort of stuff before I wanted to send it to you, so I f- found someone that I can that was able to recap it. So I took the whole thing apart, cleaned it all up, and got the board out—just literally just the board—over to a guy called Derek, who I know, um, and he um, comes along to like the swag meetings, the Southwest yeah. Amiga Group meetings. Um, so he very kindly recapped it and he turned it around super, super quick. Um, and then I got the board back and then I, uh, and Eric will sympathize with me, know what I mean here. The, um, uh, there's a, a, a white connector on the board where the CD ribbon cable comes across. Now you've, I, I don't know if you remember on them, on the Amiga 600 and an Amiga 1200, it's like the keyboard connector, you know, those mm-hmm. special little white mm-hmm. clips. Yep. Of course, they're pretty bespoke, these things. Um, so I um, sent it off. It came back. The white connector was still on the board, but it didn't have the clip that goes around the outside. Huh. It, it, Derek had it obviously taken that off when he did the recapping of the board and didn't put that back on. Oh, there. shoot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it was literally, I was ready. Got, I've, I've had this box downstairs with a load of stuff ready to send off to you guys for like two months now. <laughs> oh, jeez. Because <laughs> I, I had this CD32, I got, got that back, and um, it was all, all recapped, all that sort of stuff. And then I was waiting for this part to come back in the post because he found the little clip. And I waited like two weeks for this part to come back in the post. It never turned up. 
So eventually he sent me a couple of very kindly sent me another cup, another connector. So I got that on there, got the CD32 all reassembled and then realized that whilst the recapping had done the composite out and um, the RF you, that you're not going to use ever is not working anymore. Okay. But you can only go through S video. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The next thing that I had to do on the list was the lens, Goodness. the CD lens. So on these ones, they can be a bit tricky and get a bit tired, a bit old. So I got another lens because it wasn't able to read burned discs. Yeah, which is really what you want it to do straight out of the bat because you want to play the Amiga J stuff. Yeah, just like a, a, a Dreamcast or a uh, my 3DO. You got to have yeah, a... Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So then I got all that sorted, got the new mechanism in, put that in, still doesn't read burn CDs. <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> See, I'm telling you, no, no Amiga stuff for Cody. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> so anyway, so... This is the deal, okay? <laughs> you are more than welcome to this. <laughs> if you want the hassle of having to go through it. I mean, essentially, the way, the way Eric has done it, if you get yourself one of the terrible fires, all of your problems are going to be solved because yeah. you won't need to reburn discs and you won't have to worry about just going through the, sorry, through, through the S video because it will give you like the normal standard 25... 23 way rgb connector but i thought well this would be handy just with the composite on the back because obviously then it would make it easier connecting to other things other than like the standard amiga monitors that you have issues with um so anyway there's the deal this is yours <laughs> if you want it <laughs> but it, it does come with some issues awesome now, uh, th the other thing that i thought of is obviously our awesome show sponsor retro rewind um, absolutely I'm sure that they could probably take care of this thing for you so, that's what i was thinking i mean yeah. that, that that seemed i if i got that i'd i wouldn't even mess around i'd send it directly to retro rewind and have him just troubleshoot it and figure it out he seems to be very good with the cd32 so yeah yeah so there's there's another option is that you know perhaps um we could we could reach out to them and i could either send it directly to them and then they could get it all sorted for you, or I can send it to you guys, and then you can deal with it that way. So whatever you want to do. But anyway. We'll have to talk off air. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much yours, for, <laughs> for even thinking that much. And now I'm laughing at myself because, like, again, what was it? if you said you've had that for two months, that means when, when you talked about it, and I'm like, yeah, I don't really want one right now. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. Well, the, the other thing is, is that you will need to get a power supply and a controller because this thing just literally just came through bone stock like this. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so that's, that's the other thing. So it's, between, I know I'm going to want it. myself and Eric, we've been sort of like chatting backwards and forwards on it. And the last <laughs> few weeks, I, I've, I've, I've just been out of a lot of things because I've, I've had cold and bits and pieces going on here. So hey, I it's, had all, it's all news to, to me and exciting to me. So no, here's, yeah. here's, here's one thing you can do. And this was bringing me up to my second thing that I wanted to talk about the CD 32 was, um, you know, I got this, the, this competition pro one from Tim, the little, hun the honeybee what or whatever, super honeybee, bee, hun yep. honeybee. Yep. The little honeybee, which is a great little controller. I, I like it, but I wanted a second controller to play two player games. And, um, they are CD32 controllers are going 
for insane money right now. Insane money. So what I and what I ended up getting was I found this little adapter. Okay. And it is um I don't remember what it's called, but there is a mode you you hold some buttons down on the controller and it lets you use a PS1 controller. Huh. And it plugs into the nine pin on the CD32. And you can use this on any, like th- this thing, the firmware allows you to select a ton of different computers. So like Commodore 64, um, uh, CD32, a bunch of different nine pin systems. And it basically is by holding down some buttons on the controller or during boot up, it will go into that mode. Oh, that's cool. There's like a little emulation mode. And there, I think there was like seven or eight different computers that it supports. And then you hit another button sequence and it will save it so that every time it boots up, it'll boot into that mode. Gotcha. And so the only reason I bought this was for the CD32. I programmed it, put it in there. It's perfect. All the buttons map perfectly to the CD32. Um, and I've been enjoying using That's that. That's such a weird decision, in my opinion, to like, hey, we want to make it a nine pin adapter so you can you know, connect it to any controller. Which one should we go with? How about the standard PlayStation 1 controller? Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> I mean, cool, but why do they choose that one out of all the controllers out, out there? I guess just... maybe those controllers are pretty much dirt cheap even now still, aren't they? So They're dirt cheap and they have every they have lots of buttons on them and they, they actually do feel good. I mean, I, I've always liked the PlayStation controllers. Yeah. So, so I went to a, a, a video game store in Concord, California. It's a really good store. It has a lot of good stuff. Uh, and I went in there, and I couldn't think of anything I really needed. I saw a bunch of stuff I wanted there. And I said, you know what? All I really need right now is I need a standard PlayStation 1 controller with um, with the analog sticks. Yeah. Because I was playing, at that time, I was playing Irritating Stick, Eric, which we talked about last month. Yeah. Yep. And I'm like, I just need you know, a standard PlayStation 1 thinking, you know, 10 bucks or whatever, because they're going to overcharge. I can go on eBay and get one for four, right? Yeah. $30. What? <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? So I don't think they're dirt cheap anymore. I'm sure they were overcharging, but I still think they're like twenty, you know, eighteen, twenty bucks online. Well, you can get PlayStation ones with controllers for that. <laughs> well, I need to relook because I need to get myself some analog joysticks over there. So, well, if if you if you're stuck, let me know. I think I've got about four or five here. So. <laughs> <laughs> send you one over with it i'm go. just slowly pilfering all of tim's items from his house to mine is, <laughs> is all we're doing here so yeah so are you good with that then you're happy with the cd32 i'm very excited i'm gonna have to start looking into it because it just dawned on me literally like a couple days ago that i'm like you know i really do want one <laughs> yeah, i really i really do want i one, just so. looked where, where i was just looked somewhere too that I, f- I found a place that sells the cd32 power supplies well, the other thing is, is you know, you sent me that 1571 drive. If mm-hmm. you've still got the power supply for that. Well, that's the work. one I'm using because you, oh, oh, okay. you didn't send me a power supply. So I used the, I used oh, that 1581, that. Oh, okay. but I found oh, yeah. a place that sells new ones and yeah. they're, they're labeled for the CD32. I just got to remember where that's I cool. saw that. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's, there's a fair few places and you can even get the, like I've got, you can get the key logger, um, uh, power supplies, which are the Commodore 64 one, which have got the dual, um, cables on them, like, like the one I've got here. So it, it powers the com- computer and the, um, 
like I say, the 154012, which is exactly the same as the CD32. So you could get one of those as well. Um, but it's it's just all extra money. These these yes, things, but of course, just end up sinking money up. into these things. So, so dumb question. Well, not dumb. I just don't know. But um, does the CD32 have a um, NTSC PAL switch, or is it going to be one or the other? It'll no. be PAL. It'll, It'll be, be PAL. PAL, which no, that's no, the one you want. No, it does. You can. It has a switch. No, it doesn't have a switch. You can do the um, oh, hold, yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. hold both most but mouse buttons down on boot up. And you can switch between PAL and NTSC, but just it's like an Amiga twelve hundred percent. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. just like the Amiga twelve hundred. Yep, yep, yep. So realistically, that's right. You know, I I'd for, I'd gone into that for the first time, Tim, the other day. Like I didn't yeah. know you could do that either, but I was like, I needed to select the terrible fire to boot off of because it wasn't working right out of the gate. Yeah, and so like I went in there to go to the boot screen, and it worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then at, since then it's worked great. So. Yeah, because that, awesome. that's the brilliant thing with the CD32. It's essentially it's a it's an Amiga twelve hundred inside. Um, so you you add on the terrible fire, so you get your twenty five twenty three way RGB port. You got your uh, keyboard connector. You can plug a standard Amiga mouse into it. You're golden. It's really good. Golden. Eric, did you finish your uh, your segment there? We, we it's all done, it. but I do want to put something in right after that. We need to open another beer because Mom, I'm that's what dry. I was getting to. <laughs> Sweet. All right, Great I'm minds. cracking this bad boy. Ah, so this beer is also from uh, Cool California, from Cool Brewer Works, and the one I'm having is a Stinger Honey Wheat Ale. Stinger Ooh, Honey Stinger. Wheat Ale. Okay. So. It smells, uh, actually, it smells like a sour, which is weird. What you got there? It looks like a porter. It, it, this one is a stout. Oh, it's a stout. Yep. But this is also a Pixel Guide and Rewind because mm. we've had this on the show before. I got lazy and didn't go buy new beers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this is from Lead Dog Brewing Company. This is the Peanut Butter Stout. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, nice. That's a good one. Yeah. This was uh, one of our very highly rated ones. In fact, I think it might have won our beer of the beer of the year it, last year. I think. I think it was beer beer of the year last year. So I, I happened to see these in the store and grabbed one and just got yeah. lazy. So that's what I'm having. Cheers! Um, cheers! So whilst you guys cheers, and whilst you guys mm. are cheering, I'll just talk about very quickly about one I had last night that I sent you guys a, a picture of on Twitter. Yeah. Um, so I had one from the London Beer Factory, and it was called uh, Sour S- Solstice. So it's a Ooh. blood orange and cranberry sour, um, and that was really, really good. I'm going to get looks some good. more of those. That is so nice. It's got that, that um, really sort of like fresh, sort of like orangey, zesty taste at the beginning, um, and then the the sort of like the aftertones, when, um, like the aftertaste is like that sort of like uh, kind of like dry cranberry aftertaste but really really mellow um and it kind of like takes the edge off the sour a bit you know it's quite sour and nice. tart to drink straight away but it kind of gives that nice it doesn't you know, linger the end yeah it's lovely yeah it's really good i'm gonna get some more of those and i'll i'll, I'll pop them in the box as well you know me and my sours i do love the sours you do you'll have to remember that beer tim for the next box you send over send us a couple of those bad boys yeah, no, I'm gonna. That's why I'm gonna get it at the weekend because this box is gonna be oh, coming gonna... out to you very, very soon. <laughs> we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to help Tim take out a mortgage to send that box. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Everything's stupid right now. 
Yeah. So this stinger honey wheat ale. First of yeah. all, when you think of wheat ale, what color? What? How do you expect the beer to look? Wheat colored. I mean, not to Tip. put too fine a point on it, but I expect it, it to look like. A wheat. <laughs> yeah, especially with a with honey. So you'd see that you'd want to see that as like as a nice golden yeah. brown. Wouldn't like a golden right? brown. Yeah, and exactly. you would think like a wheat beer, like kind of. You know, I'm going to say hazy, but like you can't see like through a it. Like yeah, a well, it's not. It looks no. It's caramel. That's caramelly. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, just like the last cool beer, it's not blowing me away by any means. Really? Are you getting any honey notes from it, or is it just mostly wheaty? I'm getting almost no honey and no wheat. It's just, <laughs> so it's just nothing. <laughs> later, if I had to describe it, I'd be like, it tastes like beer. Yeah. <laughs> tastes, <laughs> tastes like Budweiser. <laughs> I mean, it's got more to take than that. It's like, I guess it's malty. Would be Cody, only... I'm starting to get. I'm starting to get this feeling that that brewery and cool is not cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's worth. I don't think it's worth driving out to. Sorry, cool. Not brewers. worth driving out to it. Wah, so out, wah, wah. out of uh, you know, it's a it's a honey a honey wheat ale in theory, although I don't taste it. So, um, <clears throat> if I was uh, Winnie the Pooh and I had to rate this out of twelve pots of honey, I'm gonna give it. I mean, it's not bad. Give it six pots of honey. It's just, it's a beer. Six pots of honey. It's got a cool, cool can. H-U-N-N-Y. <laughs> honey. Eric, well, what about yours? Yeah, I'll rate it out of 12 pots of honey. <laughs> I don't know why, but I'll do that. How about peanut butter? Come on, it goes well with yeah, honey. Yeah, 12, 12 jars of peanut butter. Uh, well, I got to give this 11. I'm going to leave a little room, but this is, this is smooth. This is very smooth. I mean, it's a, it, it tastes a like one. peanut butter and it tastes like a stout. So it can't go wrong. Oh, yeah, I, I love it. It's, I went it's wrong. delicious. Damn. Cool. All right. All right. Okay. Cody, illuminate us. I only have like three pieces of catching up. So the biggest one has to, well, actually they're all, they're all kind of big. Excuse me. Um, I wanted to update everybody on my game room, which is definitely still in process, but it's getting there. It's looking impressive, that's for sure. Is Big. it? So much <laughs> From what space. you can see. So, yeah. again, the game room is so much more than a room. It's literally the entire bottom floor of this house over here. Um, so, outside of the room here, I've got... Uh, a, well, you can't see it over there on the other side of that wall. I've got a couch set up with a, a 32-inch TRT as my main old-school uh, TV. Mm-hmm. And I've got my laser disc, my video disc attached to that, and then I've got um, a switch box so I can also take any uh, component system, plug it over there, and we can play it on the couch. Yeah, on a you know for a C- CRT, a big screen composite, <laughs> thirty-two inch. Yeah, um, nice. Sorry, I said component composite. Uh, so that's like the and I got my speaker system hooked up over there, so it's good experience. So that's like that wall, and then back here. Now it's mostly just a bunch of crap, but if you can see over. Oops, where am I at here? Over... Oh, you can't see. That's the... Even though it's not video game related, there's Music Corner. So I've got the drum set and all the guitars and everything that's set up back over there. Yep. But if you're listening to the show, what you care about is this area. So I'm in this little kind of room in the center, even though it's open-backed. And the previous owners left um, two of those big, white, cubbied IKEA shelves. Yep. The galaxies. Yep. Oh, even know it by name. Look at this yes. guy. <laughs> so I had I had like w- like two of those in black at my last house, 
that only mm-hmm. had like eight boxes, but these have the 25 boxes. Nice. So over here I've got, and again, I have not set up which systems go where yet. So here I'm going to use the webcam so you guys can see. So over here, I've got 50 cubes full of, <laughs> and the idea is each video game system will be in a cube. And then there's room on top for all the boxes I always kept in storage. Now I can display them, so that's cool. Yeah. And then kind of in the middle of the room here, I have the second wing of cubes. Mm-hmm. For more stuff over here. Um, I'm facing the wall where I have the uh, the audio set up, obviously. Then over here, I've got uh, CRT Alley, I guess. Yeah. So I've got my, my main uh, PAL slash NTSC 25-inch uh, monitor here which is where I could plug in a CD3002 with S-Video, by the way. I've got my Vectrix cool. set up permanently. This is in hope... I hope to be my Amiga monitor that will work with my Amigas one day. Right now, it's what, just the there to... I don't think that will work with it. No, not the Vectrix. <laughs> Amiga monitor. Yeah. And I've got three more CRTs down here. Actually, one of these I'm going to switch out with a um, 1702. Oh, so you've but, got your MSX2 hooked up there. Yep. That's the beauty, though. I can have six systems hooked up at once here without having to constantly switch things in and out. So I can... And then I've got the other TV in the other room for, like, bigger stuff that I want to play with people. And then shelving came in up there, so that's where all the computers are going, even though it's kind of hard to see them right now. Mm -hmm. So anyways, I'm having a blast. I got stuff put together here. Um, ah. And when I say I actually boldly just lied to you, I'm not having a blast. It's stressful because every time I come in here, I want to put things away and make things better. So I never give myself time to play because until it's done, I'm not going to be able to settle down. But I'm excited to see where it ends up. Yeah. But um, lots of, like right now, a lot of these cubbies just have unrelated crap shoved into one cubby. Yeah, but so. it's, it's just nice to have, like, you got there, you know, like, where you're doing stuff for the show. I mean, it's one of the things that I find, me personally, having, a, you know, okay, I've got this room up here, the, the loft area, but it's so difficult getting all the different systems set up when we're doing stuff for the show. Like, if I'm doing something for Tea Time with Tim, I'm doing a couple of games for the for the battle and that sort of stuff, and it's just a challenge sometimes, just, just getting everything ready and set up and... Uh, this this month was absolute complete nightmare with the PlayStation stuff, but we'll go into that a bit later. Yeah, <laughs> actually, that, that reminds me of one more thing I didn't mention, which is not set up yet. But I, without trying to describe where it is, there's another area over here where I'm going to be able to have in the same room here um, all my soldering station set up. Mm-hmm. So I'll have a TV for testing. I'll have my uh, big um, multimeter slash. Um, uh, what do you call it? Power supply, oscilloscope, oscilloscope, all that stuff will be set up permanently and I'll be in the same room as all my stuff. So I don't have, cause previously I had to walk up to my game, my office, my game room, grab the thing, go all the way downstairs, go out to the garage on time. this one little workstation I had make a change and then bring it all back upstairs and test it and then bring it all back down. Cause it didn't work. So it'll all just be in this room. So that'll be nice too. Cool. That's it. Looking good, Cody. Getting looking there. That is looking good. Getting there. And you're not quite so echoey this time as well. <laughs> I, I hope I'm not echoey at all. I mean, I, I put up the sound treatment to the best of my ability here. Maybe a little bit. Sound it sounds it sounds good. Good. Good, yep. good, good. So uh, Tim, Tim, what do you got for us here? So this is it. This is this is the thing that I've been slaving away on for the last right. few weeks. <laughs> I see the title um, and I'm impressed. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um 
So this is also the subject of my tea time with Tim. So I'm guessing you've probably heard this about it already. Um, but um, thank you to uh, my very, very good friend, uh, Gary. Um, and he has helped me out with getting a Sharp X68000. Wow. Wow. That is crazy. Um, let me just um, switch over here. Hang on a second. That's an amazing... Um... I've set up another camera. Holy grail, if you will. It's crazy. It really is. Um, I'm very curious to see what this thing is all about. This is so, what your tea time for Tim was last episode, right? Yes, well, that's right. Yeah. Uh, well, no, it wasn't. It didn't make episode. it. It didn't make it. Didn't it didn't make it. Okay, so it's this is going to be this, on this episode. This episode, okay. yeah. yeah. Good, good, good. In fact, at this point, I will have played it already. So you listeners are in on it, but we're not yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, can you guys see that change of I camera now? Oh, look at that sexy! It looks like a uh, like a Xbox, the new yeah, Xbox. I, you know, I'm not gonna lie; it's smaller than I thought it would be. Yeah, it's a, it's actually like a, a a PC, but it's it's actually a twin, so it's got two sides on it. Yeah. Um, so one side you've got the uh, the power supply and the disc, the hard disk drive in this one. Um, and you've got uh, it's two two mechanical disk drives, so they've got like a proper eject button, not like the the little switchy gate mm. thing on the, on the front. Um, then you've got the other side where you've got um, the expansion bus, and uh, it's got the memory expansion in it as well. This one's actually got twelve meg in it, which is maxed out for the X sixty eight thousand. Nice. Uh, so you need that for some of the more advanced games. Um, yeah, this, this has just been, <laughs> Gary has a whole setup of all, all this sort of stuff. Um, so, um, uh, probably about, I don't know, three, four weeks ago now, I went up, went up there and, uh, we got this one going, um, and all the necessary kit because he was, he was actually going away, um, all the necessary kit to get it going and all that sort of stuff he lent me. So that's what I've kind of done my, my tea time with Tim on, which was, um, explaining, Woo. explaining how I got, all the <laughs> don't worry going. listeners. He's Sorry just very that. excited. He's very excited about, <laughs> um, how I got all everything going and all that sort of stuff. So um, one of the things that I had to purchase was the open source scan converter. So the OSCC, so yeah. for listeners at home, unless like, in, in case they can't tell, Tim speaks with his hands. Yeah, sorry. About that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, this is one of the devices that I got. Um, so that's the open source scan converter. So essentially what that does is it takes um, the weird resolutions out of the Sharp and because uh, it actually runs through a SCART cable, believe it or not, the Sharp. Okay. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Uh, so you bring that into the open source scan converter and that transcodes the video and then punts it out through the um, HDMI. But what it doesn't do is it doesn't do upscaling. Um, <clears throat> so you've then got to have a special type of monitor which can do the three different frequencies. So you've got, um, I think it's 15, 24 and 31 hertz frequencies. Um, so finding monitors that can actually do all three yeah. of those <laughs> yep. with HDMI is a bit of a challenge. Um, so, yeah. So funnily enough, the big screen that I see in front of me, uh, the in-focus screen that I've got, that does that perfectly. So there's no problems with that. And I then, can see myself on that screen right now. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then um, there's the, this other screen that I've got, which is a little Samsung screen. Um, that's one that we, um, uh, my wife and I bought when we moved into this house first, and then it's kind of eventually worked its way into Danica's bedroom, and now I've stolen it back because it works <laughs> perfectly with the shop. <laughs> so she's got no TV in her bedroom at the moment. <laughs> but she lives on iPads and stuff like that, like most of them do these days, so it's no, no great shakes. I thought bed. she had a Commodore uh, screen in her room. She's got the CRT in there. Yeah, yeah there but, you um, go. Come on. She, she, yeah, she has that. What else do you need? Use, doesn't That's all you need. quite so much these days. Um, but yeah, anyway, so this thing is just absolutely amazing. Um, some so, of the, some of the conversions that you got on it, the games and all that sort of thing. It's just stunning. It really so I'm gonna, is. I'm going to ask you to do a basic description of what this thing even is for, our, for listeners who may not know what the Sharp okay. X 68,000 so is. So uh, hopefully you've already listened to Tea Time with Tim and you've got a, a, I've, I've given you a complete lowdown on the system in that anyway, but I'll just, just do a brief synopsis. So it is based around, as it sounds, it's based around the Motorola 68000, um, which is the processor inside. Um, although the early versions didn't actually have a Motorola 68000, they had a um, one made by Hitachi. Um, did they already call it, it a 68,000 at that point though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? It was a 68,000 chip, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it just wasn't Motorola. I gotcha. Yeah. Um, it runs at 10 megahertz out of the box, um, so slightly faster than the Amiga. Uh, but it has a bunch of custom chips in it. Um, and one of those is actually one of the things that I've, I've done here. So you guys can hopefully indulge me a little bit in a second. Um, it has a, a Yamaha full synthesis chip on it. So it's almost like one of the chips that was in like the like the um, the proper big synthesizers that, yeah. that Yamaha did in sort of like the late 80s, early 90s. So the sound capabilities on this through the sort of like MIDI and all that sort of stuff is extremely good. So you can imagine the sound in like yeah. um, some of the games is just incredible. So I'm going to I'm going to dumb it down just a little bit more because we just literally haven't made the point that this is a pc correct i mean it's essentially it's, it's a computer yes it's it is a computer yeah it's not a wedge computer or anything like that it's a, it stands like a pc it's a was it ver vertical um yeah and it has two five and a quarter inch disk drives traditionally um the early versions just came with with the disk drives you um pop your disk in there um it boots off of the disk loads the games off of the disk also there is a uh, an operating system called human um, which is kind of like a DOS derivative. And again, that can boot off of okay. uh, the, the single floppy disk, or you can, the later versions had um, what they call sassy drives, uh, which was, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> real sassy. sassy, which is an early derivative of SCSI. Um, so I think it stands for the, was it Shugart Associates, something or other. Um, um, and then the, the SCSI system came in, in in some of the later versions. This one's actually got a, I think it's a, um, a might be a 300 or, no, probably isn't even that much. I think it's like about 30, 40 meg uh, SCSI drive in there. Um, and when you power that up, the whole system just sort of like sounds like it's going to take off. Just, <laughs> just this one disk drive is just absolutely crazy. Um, <coughs> And we, Gary and I spent some time um, getting the system working with that SCSI drive. 
And then by the time I got it in my car, I got it back here. The SCSI drive was dead. Stopped but working. Again, I, I explained all that in, in Tea Time with Tim. So when did this, when did this come out? What year was so this, this released? Is, um, it's around about 1987, 88. Okay. So, so it's, it's an early system. Well, you say that, but it's a surprise to me because 87, 88, weren't we uh, on three and a half inch floppies at this point? Typically? Um, not really. It, I didn't it was think this would have. transitioning that way. Um, but a lot of like the Amstrad, um, like for me personally, I look at, I had back then there was XT PCs. Most of those were working off of five and a quarter inch floppies. Um, and then, yeah, in terms of the Amiga market, the, the home market, yeah, a lot of them were three and a half inch, but the, the PC style market was, was still a lot really? of them were still five and a quarter. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so you that's surprised think, me to although, see that. Yeah. You got to think, although this had came out in, uh, what, 87, 88, something like that, they would have been developing it a couple of years before. So, yeah. you know, the five and a quarter inch. Well, I'm just thinking, you know, when I grew up with my Mac plus, that was three and a half. So yeah. Um, I remember at school we had some ancient computers, which I'm sure were Apple IIs, because they actually had five yeah. and a half or five and a quarters. And I remember seeing those and thinking it was so old, even when I even when I was in school, and I would have been like '89. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, so and this are, came out came out in Japan only, correct? Correct. Yeah. So it's a Jap- Japanese only system, um, and you can tell that from the keyboards and how, how you work through the system. Um, but a, a lot of the games are kind of like. Um, you can get by in a lot of the games. There's not a lot of RPGs and all that sort of stuff on this system. Okay. Um, and this is one thing that I have found with it is it's a brilliant system for shoot 'em ups. Okay. Um, there is a, you, a, a like shoot 'em ups ton and shoot 'em ups on this. Yeah, thing. shoot 'em ups, shoot 'em ups, and like uh, fighters, right? Like a like like a Street Fighter style game. Were there a um, lot of fighters on there? Well, there. <laughs> Well, believe it or not, there is actually Street Super Street Fighter and is on here. But okay. the problem is, is that traditionally the the system uses just a two button um, uh, controller. It's MSX yeah. okay. compatible. Um, yeah. They do have six button controllers, which was done for Street Fighter, but there's there's not a lot of beat 'em ups on it. There are there are some, like I say. Okay. Um, but most of the games are uh, like um, really very good. You know, pretty much bang on mid 80s early 90s arcade conversions um and there are some actual crossovers between some amiga games as well there's uh, lemmings is available on it and uh, a few other games um uh, but yeah shoot 'em ups is one thing that this thing does extremely well <laughs> very cool um that's awesome but the, so, like I say, going back to um, the the musical side and all that sort of stuff. If you guys want to indulge me, I have the system hooked up here. I'm indulging. So I can I'm indulging. Bring in some of the tunes. So he, he's got go a notepad through. out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've got a running order here. So let, let's go with the first one and see if you can get this. Oh, here's our mini game show. I got it. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's let's test the volume on this one. Hope this doesn't blast you guys. Perfect. No, that sounds great. What do you think? Oh, that sounds great. Are you trying to what what game is that? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, what game do you think that is as well? 
Mm, something creepy. I want to say I'm going to say ghouls and ghosts, but it would no. It can't be because that would be that would be. Is that like a maybe a cotton kind of game? No, that's gauntlet. That's gauntlet. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Gauntlet. Um. So let's go this one. So zero for zero right now. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I don't think we're going to do great on this. Card. <laughs> <laughs> you might, you might get this one. Ready? Yep. I'm going to say farmer's daughter on the Commodore 64. <laughs> I'm going to say stringy lorry. <laughs> stringy lorry. <laughs> Stringy Lori. <laughs> I don't know. It's That's a pumpkin and... madness. Uh, okay. <laughs> Love those. It just, it just music that that sounds that good coming out of any system with a five and a quarter floppy, and it weirds me out. <laughs> yeah, it is strange. But it does have a hard drive, so I mean, now you got to think. Okay, it's got a scuzzy hard drive, forty meg. Yeah, so this is actually running off of a Raspberry Pi. The scuzzy. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> that's that's the complexities that I've gone to to get this working. Again, it's all all explained in tea time. <laughs> uh, right, let's go down to the next one then. Uh, what were we going to do? Oh yeah, so you should be able to get this one. I think. Stop saying that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not going to get it. Spoiler alert! I need to make a sound effect for that. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. We have to say it a lot. Here we go. Oh, hang on. Invisible Man. Oh, yeah. Street Fighter. Oh, yeah. yeah that's Street Fighter. <laughs> Two. <laughs> that's my jam. Yep. That's pretty nice, darn good. <laughs> Okay, I'll skip a few and I'll go down to one that I know uh, you are going to love, Eric. Okay. Let me guess first then, because Eric, yeah. it sounds like Eric's going to get it. Tapping of keys. Me, tapping of keys. It's going to make me sound there's like an lot, idiot. There's lots of menus on it. <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm not going to recognize it. This, this is going to make me look like an idiot. Yeah, you. How will. could you not you'll, get this? You'll get this straight away. Look at Tim computing on his Sharp X68000. Yeah. Ready? Yes. Yep. Bubble bobble. Yeah. Oh, I love <laughs> it. Yeah. Bubble bobble. Sounds great, too. Yep. Absolutely. Do you want another one, or have you had enough? Well, one last one. Let's see. We got to see if we can break even here. Okay. You That's get- a really cool application. Is that is that a native um, application that you're launching those from? Um, it's basically it's just like a, a MIDI player, um, and there's just a ton of uh, on this hard drive image that I've got. It's got you know tons of games but that's running these... off of the sharp right yeah yeah this is running directly uh, looks looks really even that application looks really cool yeah it is very cool um where are we for the uh, listeners what a cool application is apparently black background with white text 
but no, when you're, but you when you're Tim and Eric, little, yeah, but it's got all the, all the you can see the equalizer stuff the, going bobbing up and down. I mean, it's got the the key yeah. the, the the keyboard and all that sort of stuff on there. It's really cool. Uh, you're being yeah. really negative, Cody. You're being really nerdy, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. There's there's two. All right, indulging. Uh, uh, indulging. Two. Indulging. Hang on. This one you'll get straight away. Ready? Yep. <laughs> Do I just sing along with it? Wait, do they have Sonic on that? On the no. No. They just no, have the MIDI just, file. Just, okay. Just the, just the MIDI, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's a pretty good sample, though. Yep. And we'll end it with something really, really lovely and mellow. Mm, yeah. Tim just came home with his Sharp X68000. <laughs> We're going to get real tonight. He's tapping those <laughs> keys. He's got his cardigan on. Turn the heat up to 70 degrees. Mmm. Such it's, an amazing tune. It's tea time with Tim. We're going to use that from now on. That'll be the intro to your segment moving forward. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, I, I, I can just literally sit here for hours and just go through all of these MIDI files and just sit and listening <laughs> to these stuff. It's just amazing. I'm just so blown away by this system. It's just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Well, thank you for listening to MIDI Gaiden. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, everyone, for indulging me with that. I hope you enjoyed those little uh, MIDI snippets on the X68000. That is very cool. I'm, I'm really the looking forward to, you, to the segment, Tim, because I, I need that's a system I need to learn more about because I, I yeah. don't know anything about it, to be honest. Was that I'm, used? I'm, go ahead, Cody. Was that used? Uh, I mean, we know it primarily for gaming, but was that used as a standardly as a, you know, all, all around computer over there or was it kind of like Absolutely. Commodore? No, no, there's there's um, utilities available. You can attach printers to it. Obviously, it's, you know, you can do external SCSI drives, scanners, all those yeah. sort of things. So, yeah, it's it's a, an all-round computer. There's even kind of like a, 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 a GUI for it, like a Windows kind of thing. But um, but the question wasn't, can it be? The question was, was it? Kind of like yes, the Commodore 64 I, 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 was not an all-around computer. It was a game system. What, I mean, which, very, which very was, few people. I'm, the Commodore 64, from what I hear... It was I, I think it, you'd, 5% you'd probably, of the population. Doug is probably got the heckles on his back and his neck right there's up now. Magazines, Urgh, Cody, there's Cody, magazines Cody. with all kinds of Commodore-related <laughs> documentation programs and word processing. Yeah, nobody used it for that, Doug. You did. They, they, well, but they did, but yeah. And, and yeah. The, really, this kind of like, the, there's some similarities with this with the Amiga. So the Amiga, most people think it was just like a, a games machine and all that sort of stuff, but the Amiga had so many cool uh, uh, other uses and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, because obviously it's it's very much a Japanese machine. Um, you know, we don't really know a huge amount about it, you know, in terms of what it was used sort of like natively, but absolutely, you know, the, there's the Print Shop Pro and the other word processors and all that sort of stuff. So you can hook up printers and, uh, you know, you can use a mouse on it, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's it's all, all, all the stuff is there, and I'm sure it was used 
back in the day for that sort of thing because it was you know quite yeah. a powerful system for back then especially with the the hard drive and all that sort of stuff now to cover myself doug i do know the amiga was used for lots of other purposes it's just the commodore 64 that i'm pointing out became a games machine <laughs> <laughs> right i mean i to my knowledge yeah i mean it did actually become a games machine didn't it the, yeah with the, with the gs yeah yeah oh yeah literally and the amstrad Anyways, yeah. Eric, you got the next topic here. You actually went somewhere. How uh, yes, I'm thinking of you. I went to Ami West, which uh, Cody and I went to a couple of years ago. But I did, ended up going to this one, and it's kind of a last-minute thing. I mean, I, I always plan on going to Ami West to go to the general, like, uh, I guess, uh, like, a marketplace area. but Which is, which um, is a, a local Sacramento... Um, uh, convention yeah, like an Amiga group. Yeah, for for the Amiga computers. Yeah, exactly. And so um, I ended up going and meeting up with Doug from Ten Minute Amigo Retrocast. Yeah, I'm so is, bummed I was not able to make that happen. So I am sorry. Yeah, which I'm is, sorry, Doug. I I want to be there so bad. Yeah, and the, the funny thing is, I had my head up my butt, so I didn't actually buy a ticket to the banquet. But Doug bought me a ticket, and oh, what a what a good guy and what a bad guy you are. Yeah, I'm a jerk. I'm a total jerk. But anyway, it doesn't. You know, I mean, I went there and I bought a big. I took my pineapple um, cool cooler backpack, like it's a cooler, but it's a backpack. <laughs> but it looks like a big giant pineapple, and I loaded it up with beer. <laughs> and uh, all right, I wouldn't pay to see that alone. I, I loaded up with beer and I walked in with my big pineapple backpack and I put it down behind Doug's uh, de- desk and. Everybody that came up to Doug and we were all chatting, I'd just be like, hey, check out the pineapple behind the desk. <laughs> and they'd go do that and they'd look in there and there was a beer for them. And they could just get into the beer. Nice time. And that's that's what we did the whole time, like uh, while we were on the floor. Um, and it was, it was a blast. I mean, it, it was fun hanging out with Doug and a bunch of people came up and we had a lot of great discussions about Amigas and, and other systems. And then we went to the banquet. And uh, during all that time, I got to meet Doug's wife, and she's oh, very she came. nice. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so every it, w- it was great. Um, the only thing I ended up buying was this little thing. Cool, and it a cable. basically <laughs> is a nine pin to USB adapter, which lets you plug in your nine pin joysticks into a PC or a Mister or something that takes USB. So what I really wanted this for was the Mister, and it again it has firmware in it. There's like this little program that runs on a PC, and you can plug this into it and upload a firmware to basically uh, adapt any nine-pin type joystick to USB. So I can put in again a multi-button Amiga joystick or a Commodore 64 one-button joystick or whatever, but this is great to have with the Mr. because you can basically use any original joystick with the Mr. You know, I think I'm making this my goal right now. Next year, we're going to Emmy yeah. West, and we're bringing like eight pineapples. Yeah, please. Because most of the be people fantastic. there are spending the night at the hotel, and I just yeah. want to see what a whole bunch of uh, us Amiga nerds look like when we just get completely wasted <laughs> at a convention let's just see what happens let's just let's maybe it'll kick it up a notch maybe it'll be the worst thing ever i don't know let's just see what happens looks like it looks like tim has a similar adapter yeah yep. so um, you can actually get these online from monster joysticks 
So it's yeah. got like the the mini USB um, to the nine way uh, adapter port. And also one thing that I did um, forget when we were just going back on the CD32 stuff is that Monster Joysticks do uh, one of his joysticks for the CD32. Oh, cool. I did see that. I did yeah. see that. And I was very, very tempted to buy that before I found this adapter. Yeah. And since I already had a PS1 controller, I was like, well, I'll, I'm going to go that way. But I did see the one, the Monster Joystick CD32 yeah. arcade stick. And But then I thought Cody will probably want to use a pad with it anyway. So I didn't go. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Yeah, because, I mean, hauling out this big jo- joystick is awesome, but it would, you know. It- it's not. It's it, it, there, there are some games that obviously that then lend themselves to joysticks on the Amiga and that sort of stuff. Yeah. I think really all round. It's it's nice to have that, that pad as well. So it? in a nutshell, not, Amy, Amy West was great. I mean, all the guys there are super friendly, met a lot of cool people. Um, I I... I like I said, I'm going to try to go every year that I can, and I was just lucky enough to remember to go this yeah, year. I was, so. was mid move. Well, Doug reminded us too. He's like, "Hey guys, see you yep. there," and I'm like, "Yep." I instantly feel bad because I'm in mid move and I just can't make it happen. But yep. Speaking of um, Commodore computers, Tim. Yep. So uh, I haven't uh, because I've been plowing loads of money into this <laughs> x68000. I haven't done a huge amount of pickups this month, but one that I have been hankering for in my collection there goes tim with his and a, and a game that's very close to eric's heart yeah is river yeah the commodore 64 oh, okay excellent <laughs> beautiful i yeah. love that game it's and cause the commodore 64 is where i first played it and i and i love that really? and then i got it on the atari 5200 eventually um i even earned my patch my activision patch yeah and that was from river raid yeah. So I love River Raid. It's one of my favorite nostalgia games in my in my mind. So that, yeah. that is one thing. If I can go back into a time before myself, mm-hmm. I would be all about like trying to earn those Activision patches. Like that is right up my alley. Yeah, it was the only one I did. And I regret that it was the only one I did, but I did, and I was very excited about it as a kid. Like, I mean, I I was sitting there with my Polaroid camera like i had it next to me while i was playing river raid and i was like yeah. soon as i hit that score i'm taking the picture and the score wasn't ridiculously high so mm-hmm. i don't remember what it was but it was like it's, it's still it, or something like that yeah it? it was still a little challenging to get to it mm-hmm. so like when i did it though i was like oh god i grabbed my polaroid took the picture sent it and just waited with bated breath waiting for it to come in the mail day yeah (laughs) yep and when it did man i got it and i i looked at it and i had my mom sew it on my hat (laughs) yeah i still remember it to this day i had a blue hat and i she sewed it on there and it was freaking awesome war to death i can remember seeing those on the boxes and all that sort of stuff that you can win a patch and it just seemed like complete unobtainium to me because a you've got to get that high score in the first place and you know it's like we've got to send something over to America. I mean, that's just unthinkable back then. You know, you just didn't. Right. didn't no, I could see that. It's, it's no, the world, world was so much bigger, wasn't it, back then? It's just, Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Now I've got Spectrums in my house. What the heck's going on? Exactly. <laughs> I, I have thought about going on, because every once in a while you'll see on eBay, you can get those patches. Like, people mm. will offer them up on eBay. And even though I, that wouldn't be the one I earned, like... I'd love to just have that River Raid patch just to throw up on the wall. Yeah. 
It would be you so know, cool if people, I, I don't know whether they're the original ones, but it would be so nice if people like, recreated them and then you could just buy the yeah. whole set. I'd really yep. like that. Others, uh, Commodore 64 games to talk about. Yeah, and I'll let Tim kind of take it because I, I got to admit, I, I put this on the list because I wanted to talk about it and then I haven't played it since then. No, and so, I, I haven't either, really, to be honest. But um, yeah, um, we got uh, Space Firehawk on the Commodore 64. Um, this is a really nice um, shoot 'em up uh, that's been uh, recently um, made available. Um, it's uh, what's what's the best way to describe it? It's kind of like a, a shoot 'em up um, mashup. There's so many different styles. like Gorf. You well, but yeah, <laughs> good. Gorf is, <laughs> got specific separate yeah. levels and all that sort of stuff. Whereas this is kind yep. of got. Uh, and Gorf didn't Gorf didn't have to, the power-ups to but I I really kind of dig the power-up system in this. Yeah. Yeah. Um so you've got uh lots of different levels so you you start off basically you're sort of um in a, a normal shoot 'em up sense you've got um, meteors coming towards you you've got a you've got to shoot those. Um then the difficulty starts to ramp up. Um, you get sort of like extra aliens coming on board and some of the alien mechanics are really really cool in this um you get uh like the traditional wave of aliens you get um single single aliens come on that have sort of like different type of attacks um and uh yeah so you got like in the middle of it you get um the asteroid run so when you get so yeah. far through the level the the asteroids just then come pelting towards you and you've got to sort of like kind of avoid them um then you've got the so like uh eric said you've got the uh the bonus uh, uh part of things where you get your power-ups so you dock in with a with a ship and then you can select um certain type of power-ups to get uh on uh from the from the sort of like the the base ship as it were um mm -hmm. as you go through and you collect more power-ups if you get hit correct me if i'm wrong you lose one power up level is that right eric that's right yep if i yeah. remember right that is exactly what happens yeah yeah and then there's a little graph that shows you like uh on the top in the hud it shows you when you lose that power up like there's like a little meter up there right that's right yeah yeah yep um oh and that that was the other that was the other thing as well isn't it you get the um is it you what is it you press I can't remember now. You press it's fire. down. It's down. It's down, right. down and, and fire. Shield. Get shields like that's deploy it. shields. That, that's and it right. is a little tricky to like rewire your brain to do that. But yeah. once you do, once you have it, you can deploy that shield so that you can uh, kind of survive some of the harder bosses and firing and stuff like that, that's or, or right. missiles it's kind and stuff of like, like that. In, yeah in the replace of a smart bomb isn't it you can kind of correct you deploy the shield and then you just sort of like race around tear around the screen um, blowing up all the aliens because you can get them with a single hit with that hmm, uh, but one thing right. i did find with that is that like you say it takes you a little while to kind of like tune your brain because mm -hmm. because you can it's not just you're just not on that single left right plane you can go up and down as well but what yep. you do is you can go up, but the problem is if you then press down, you you waste a shield because <laughs> you're. And, and I did that. I've done that a down. lot in this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, that's Space Firehawk. 
um i would uh on the commodore 64 definitely remember go uh recommend going out and grab that one um i think it's it's kind of like a, a donation on on itch.io um right but yeah go and grab that I, I, oh, it's worth it and it's one i want to g- g- come back to for sure yeah absolutely interesting that one passed me by during my, probably during my move when a lot of things passed me by it's funny because the one the one or not the one but one of the cool things about the move is after kind of shutting myself out of the whole retro gaming thing for basically like 45 days just by necessity because uh, i didn't have access to stuff coming back to indie retro news after 45 days of not catching up on news was like christmas yeah and i and to this day i still have you know dozens of things to to go download and load up on computers and try so like i'm really excited to get back to it um so i got the next one here so we were talking about my my bag of or box of retro gamer console clash cards yeah. which have all the video game systems and uh mentioned the cd32 being one uh, I'm interested in, but after going through a drought of basically not doing anything retro related for a while, I'm like, you know what? Gosh darn it! I'm gonna knock one of these off my list, and it's one of my holy grails. I never thought I'd attain, and so I picked myself up. Hold on, it's heavy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not heavy; it's just large. Yeah, there it is. Wow, look at that! My Neo Geo AES. That is so cool. I am now the proud owner of a Neo Geo, which is a and very... I, man, I remember looking at these a long time ago when they were they were still expensive. Yeah. Uh, still expensive, but this was years and years ago, and I was like, man, I'm going to get me one of these. I love these things. I'm going to get one. And then I was like, man, but they're still really expensive. Maybe the price will come down on them. And no, the just price keep, has gone Keep climbing, keep up. climbing. But yeah. that's, I just said, you know what? Darn it. If I'm ever going to get one... It's not going to get, they're not going to go down. So they're not going to get cheaper. I'm getting one. Yeah. Um, Just, just to give a comparison, it's like when Amiga's, you know, Amiga 1200, you could pick those up for sort of like between 30 and 50 pounds. Crazy. Those things were still 200, 250 pounds. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's just, they're just so solid and have always held their value. So it came with uh, the official memory card. Yeah. And uh, this thing actually came new in the box. I opened it to use it. Um, it's actually got a lithium battery in it, apparently, mm-hmm. which is crazy. But that, I mean, apparently it holds up from whenever they made it, 1991 or whatever it was. Slides right in the front here. And this is the one that you can go between the actual arcade machines and, and your home right. console. Yeah. Yep. I've read um, about that a lot, but I've never done that. I've never seen it. I've seen the slots in Neo Geo machines like that. You know the uh, the skating rink over by your old house, Cody. Uh, Kingsgate. Kingsgate has a Neo Geo machine and it has a memory slot in there. Wow. <laughs> well, I'm gonna have to go there and put my my scores in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so and then did, something that's as big as the actual console itself. Yeah. The, the controllers, which they're lovely. I I quite like them. Um, it came with one, so I did order a second one, which I did get. The one thing I do notice about these. Uh, I mean, they're really, I love using it, and they make it seem very authentic, and I, I'm having a blast with it. But the, the actual ball on the top of the joystick, all of them are, like, cracked. Yeah, they craze and crack, don't they? Yeah. I don't know what it is. So the second one I bought, I even looked at the pictures to make sure it wasn't cracked, and it still came in cracked. Yeah. Um, yeah not as bad. Those. I don't know why that, that's the case, and it drives me nuts, but yeah. whatever. Do, do the, can, those, can those balls screw off? <laughs> I've been saving that sound clip. Um, you know what? I'm trying to do it with my fingers and not really. 
Yeah, because I, I don't want well, to break it off there, but I wonder if you can replace that if it's a standard size or whatever. So I got two of those, and then it came with two games, and of course, because it's Neo Geo, they're both fighters, which is yeah. my <laughs> favorite genre, guys. Um, but I'm glad I got one, even though it's not in the best condition. This is one box game. I don't know if you can see the size of this thing. Wow, it feels look at like that. It. I've never seen. I don't know if I've ever seen the boxes. Yeah. They're enormous, and now it is. It's Japanese, but you know, whatever. Um, huge box, and then here's actually the packaging for the memory card I have in there. Yep. And then you pull out the game, and then for people who haven't seen these games, which are massive, um, just like the actual arcade games, because they're physically the the actual you know programming and chips and everything are identical got that smell to it too they actually have two circuit boards in each cartridge yeah wow yeah so when you push this into your neo geo you're pushing it into two two slots at once it's crazy um and it came with some some of the manuals and posters and things um so yeah i got a couple of fighting games i got fatal fury and king of fighters 95 i think yeah. Um, nice. Which my daughters and I have been, and have been playing just because I want to play Neo Geo games. But I knew buying this means I have to get the multi-cart. Yeah. <laughs> so I've talked about this on the show a little bit because I wanted to, I had an update a while back about the new version of the um, shoot. What's it called now? The uh, the Neo SD. The Neo SD. Yeah. Yeah. And there's one from another company called Darksoft, by the way. Oh right. Okay. So, first of all, chip shortage. None of these are available right now, mm-hmm. so that stinks. Yeah. I did see one that became available on Stone Age Gamer. It was the, the, the older one, and I couldn't get myself to pull the trigger quick enough before it sold out. I wish I did. So, the real difference between the older one is, first of all, it's 420 bucks, and that's the cheaper one. <laughs> yeah. um, and then the pro one is almost $700 once you mm-hmm. ship it. Um and the, the real difference is, is two things. The, the old one is simply you take a game and you wait two to three minutes for it to load into flash memory. And then essentially that cart is that game now. You can yeah. pull it in, you can pull it out, you can start turn it on, turn it off. The new version, you can load a game into flash memory up to three times. You can put three different games in there so that when you plug it in, turn your system, it instantly says, all right, which of these three games do you want to play? Or... You can also um, load one up into, um, uh, what do they call it? Fast memory? What do they call it? Flash memory. Flash memory, where you can load a game. Uh, it doesn't take as long to load, but it, it loads, and the next time you turn it on, it forgets it. Yeah. Um, so you can load, you know, plan, basically. yeah, three to four games on that one. But it also allows you to load games larger than 784 megabytes. Right. Now, every official game released for the Neo Geo was the largest game was 784 megabytes. So that'll play every officially released game. However, the new homebrew stuff that's coming out, uh, it gets up to like 2,000 megabytes. And I really want to play that stuff. Um, although they're, the people who are, are selling that stuff are selling those carts for like $2,000. Yeah, I was going to say, because you can only do that on a cart with that memory, can't you? Yeah, so they're not selling the ROM files, so you'd have to... I mean, it's it's one of these things. I just cannot make a decision. Um, not sure which way I want to go, but I need to get a multi-cart. I mean, that's the, that's yeah. the whole reason I bought it. So, saving up for that. Don't know how I'm going to go yet. It's probably going to matter which one I find available first, honestly. 
and then I'll be in the in the in the red <laughs> with my video game fund. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, no, stoked to so have it. Cool. I've wanted one of those for such a long time, and I kind of got. Um, I'm the uh, same thinking as you. It's like uh, there's two things. So there's the Neo Geo and Vectrex, and both of those aren't ever going to get any cheaper i don't think no so you gotta you gotta think at some stage if i want one of those i've got to jump on board um and the the neo geo is kind of one i've really been aiming for but the problem with that is is that um it's not just the neo geo is it because once you've got that like you say you've got you've got to then have a budget of like five six hundred pounds or dollars to then get yourself a multi-cart because you'd you'd spend that on one game anyway wouldn't you uh, yeah one half decent game and that, that's yep. the problem with the neo geo whereas the vetrex might cost me a little bit more to buy it but the multi-carts are a lot, lot cheaper. Um, and sometimes, you know, like you did with that, with the Neo Geo, you get a Vetrex and it often comes with like two or three games anyway. Um, so that's probably going to be the one that I'm going to go for next. And my, my suggestion would be, even though I'm stoked about this, if I didn't have either, I would go with the Vectrex first, purely for the fact that the Vectrex gives you an experience you can't emulate, where the Neo Geo, you can emulate it all day long. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, so. there, there are a few ways to do the Vectrex stuff, but it's nowhere. It's, you've got to have that monitor and you've got yeah. to have that controller and the, the overlays and all that sort of stuff. You've got to have that feel about it, haven't you? But I'm not going to lie. I mean, this is my whole thing with the video game hobby in general, which is playing the actual Neo Geo hardware. Feels. You know, I was playing fighters for hours and enjoying it when I hate fighters. Yeah, because I was playing the actual hardware, like it just felt right. I don't know how to explain exactly. it. And that's, that's the thing that I've experienced recently with the X sixty eight thousand is just having that hardware and um, you know it, the, the trials and tribulations that I've had with it and the money that I've spent on it is just insane. But to have that piece of hardware, <laughs> and yeah, to get it all working and to get into because it's you know I've I've gone into some of the technical side of things with it and um you know it's and now i've got a, a fairly good understanding of the x68000 um and how to get it working and all that sort of stuff and you know you, you can't you you've got the emulation you can you can then get into the raw stuff you know you can you can play the games but for me that it's that visceral experience of having the the console or the computer or whatever it is and hooking up all the hardware and getting it all working you know, we, we moan about it sometimes, but that's part of part of the reason why we do it. Let's be honest. Yep, that's exactly <laughs> Experiencing it. Experiencing that pain. <laughs> so, speaking of painful computers, the BBC. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> painful on the ears if you haven't turned the volume down on it. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> or if your kids are sleeping in the next room, you turn it on for the first time and don't realize there's a built-in speaker. <laughs> Yeah, but that that one I'd even turned down for you. Oh, uh, it was still quite loud. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, another friend on Twitter, uh, Matt, um, I think he's uh, at Deezer, Geezer Deezer or something like that, is a good friend. I met him a couple of times at um, some of the Play Expo events. And uh, he's a, a collector much like ourselves. And he was clearing out um, some BBC games uh, on tape. Uh, so I said, yeah, I'll, I'll grab those from you. And um, I literally hadn't forgotten about them, but with th the way things have been in the last two or three weeks, 
hadn't sent him the money over and literally about a week and a half ago a box just turned up at the house and he just sent the stuff over um so i'm really really thankful to that i i, I have paid him for all the stuff and everything now so <laughs> got, got that all sorted but it's just like a big box of stuff just turned up um so i got a few new bbc games and of course they're on tape i'm sure so i got um there's impossible mission yeah oh nice BBC. Which yeah, really in cool. the big double wide case, it looks like. That's it. Yeah, and that actually works on the Electron as well, BBC and Electron. Do you have uh, to flip the tape over to get the Electron version? That's it. Yeah. Um, and then there's a graphical text adventure, Robin of Sherwood, which is actually a tie-in with a TV program that was ha- aired over here. Um, and then we've got Bounty Bob Strikes Back. Oh, there you go. There's a classic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've got another uh, adventure, which is imaginatively titled Adventureland. Adventureland. <laughs> I've heard this is actually a pretty good text adventure. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, these, these ones, are um, budget titles, believe it or not, but they're in the, the big sort of like clamshell type cases. And this is, um, the original Firebird. This was one of the first budget labels along with like Mastertronic. Um, so these, I think were like two ninety nine, two pounds. Yeah. The boxes look nicer. The big box. Yeah. 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 They're really, really cool boxes. Those ones. Chunky. And there's, there's, there was a bunch of other tapes, but there's one that I was absolutely gutted about because I just got the cassette inlay and I didn't get the tape. And there's uh, this game that I want to play. I don't know if you can see it there. Uh, it, it might get lost in translation over, over in, over in, um, <laughs> jam over in buddy. There. Yeah. So I say jam butty. <laughs> yeah, I have no, no idea, idea what, what that jam means. butty means. I'm okay. not sure I want to. <laughs> so a butty. Over Eric, here you can be my jam buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. It's a vernacular for sort of like a sandwich. Yep. So we have oh, okay. bacon butties. So it's a ba- it's a, essentially it's a bacon sandwich. So obviously jam over here is, you know, a, a fruit jelly, as you call yeah. it. So yeah. It's literally, it's a game called um, uh, fruit jelly sandwich. <laughs> translated gotta play that one i'm i'm gutted for you i I want i want to play this game so i've got to try and find that on the bbc (laughs) i don't i don't think it's on on any of our bbc collections so i I I don't think it is yeah to to, um but i i need to find that and i need to play that so yeah jam (laughs) jam buddy I want to keep that in mind. The next time I talk to a normal person who's like, yeah, I'm playing the new Battlefield. What are you playing? Jam, buddy. <laughs> Primarily. That's cool. There, there, there was there was a bunch of other stuff, but I won't I won't bore the listeners with that. But yeah, so um, a few a few BBC games were added to the collection, which is nice. Jam is made with a fruit, and some people consider, consider a tomato a fruit. It is a fruit, right? It's got seeds in there, right? Well, culinary considers it a vegetary, a vegetable, but if you are talking about uh, genus and species, it is a it is a fruit. That is true. So I'll keep this one really brief. Um, I purchased uh, Turbo Tomato for the Amiga. I I don't don't understand that. So what that is is a a tomato. Yeah, yeah. Now I now I know. Yeah, Turbo Tomato is something, and and it's turbo, so it's going fast. That's right. And uh, I purchased this one because I'd been hearing about it a lot on other podcasts. Um, And it was for the Amiga, but the author was like, hey, there's a CD32 version as well. And at the time when I bought it, 
it did not have the CD32 version. So I, I did email him and he was like, oh, no problem. I'm coming out with a new version here in about you know, two or three days, and then it will include the ISO for the CD32 version. And so I did wait, and sure enough, it popped up. I burned the disc, popped it in my CD32, and I was playing Turbo Tomato. And awesome. uh, and you know what? It it is a it's a it is a really fun game. And you run around, and people compare it to Bomberman, and I don't think it's a lot like Bomberman, to be honest. There's no it, maze. Um, and and because there's no maze, it's an open world. When every bomb that you, that is on the playing field has a countdown timer on it, and if it gets to the zero, it blows up, it explodes. So you don't want to pick up ones that are on like two or you know three, two or one or whatever. You want to get the higher one, and you grab them and you throw them. And when you throw them, they go in a straight line, and they you can hit other players and. You're basically you're just running around trying to grab bombs and throw them and be the last person alive on the on the level. Sounds pretty easy, but the game does get really hectic and really hard. Um, but it's a blast. So and it's a great hey, little well. it's a great little pickup and play game on the on the CD32, which is where I've been playing it the most. So um, do you know what Turbo Tomato on, on this? This looks mm-hmm. like a game that I played on the X68000. Really? Yep. It does. I mean, it's not the not the actual um, uh, uh, sort of like the exact look. It's not based on a tomato or anything like that. <laughs> but there's a game like this where you've got to pick up um, pick up the bombs and throw them, and they've all got individual timers and all that sort of stuff. I'm going yeah. to dig that game out. Was it called huh. Turbo Potato? <laughs> no, yeah. not Turbo Potato. No, it was it was it was just called Color, spelt C O L O U. Oh, oh, I gotta look that up. I bet that would be pretty interesting if they were very similar. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that was the title, but um, yeah, I, I will definitely. That rings a bell now. I, I'm. Do you say to... potato? Is it potato? Potato. <laughs> so why is it to- tomato and not p- tomato? Tomato, potato, tomato. See, the, that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Oh, I, well, I'm just pick just one and stick with it. <laughs> I'm just going to let it go. I'm just going to let it go. <laughs> Color. Uh, so, so uh, you haven't, have you purchased Briley Witch yet, Cody? I don't think you have, right? I absolutely have. And I've been playing it. What? Yes. Yeah. I bet you're further than I am because I, I got to a point and then I had to move on to do my research for pixel guidance. Um, but I know Tim, you got further, much further than I did. I think. Um, I got so far, and then I'm exactly the same as you. I had I had to stop to get into uh, get into the show stuff. Um, I yeah. did pick it up again probably two or three days ago, and did about another sort of like fifteen twenty minutes on it. But I was just so tired. Yeah, um, I'm excited because everything I hear on Twitter and and other places, the game really does kind of ease you into it so when you first started it seems like more a more rudimentary rpg like Mm -hmm. kind of basic Mm -hmm. but as you get further into it and what what i'm reading from people is it gets it gets pretty uh with the potion making yeah pretty intense pretty pretty uh layered and 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 complex i am really looking forward to getting back to it and i think as soon as this episode wraps up i'm going to try to devote like at least three or four days into putting some significant hours into it so I can see how far I can get. 
So, so to, yeah, exactly. So to clarify a little bit for our listeners again, Bradley yeah. Witch is a Japanese-inspired RPG released for the Commodore 64 all of like two weeks ago. And it's just been the talk of the community. Everyone knew it was coming, was excited about it. Um, and it even says right here on the website, it's got 16 plus hours of gameplay with normal gameplay, which I probably put an hour and a half into it so far. And I haven't gotten to the point where, like you said, Eric, like it gets more uh, in, more complex. At this point, yeah. it's mostly kind of story. A lot of story, actually. Yeah. I'm surprised mm-hmm. a how lot much of fit, story. fit into this yeah. Commodore game. Um, a lot of fetch quests and things like that, that but they are also they're also teaching you parts of the gameplay as you go. That's right. So it's yeah, it's kind of like watching a story while playing and a, a, a tutorial without it being over the you know hitting you over the head with the tutorial. I think that was done on purpose because yep. Riley Witch is actually a, a series of books that Sarah Jane has done. So that's kind of how it's been. So that I think there's two levels of play on it. You can play in the normal mode or you can play in the story mode. And the, the story mode, I think, is literally just kind of like going along how it goes into the book. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but I've I've not done that. I've just gone into the game mode. Yeah, I want I want to play the game. Yeah, I want to play the game, man. So it is. Um... They do have PAL and NTSC, so it doesn't matter where you are in the world, and as long as you're not in France, you're good. Um, CCAM. Um, you can actually it actually saves and loads to the cartridge or disc, which is brilliant. Uh, this I found this interesting. Even since I downloaded it, I downloaded it started with version 1.0, then there's 1.0.1, 1.0.2, 1.0.3, 1.0.4 is the one I downloaded. Uh, and I did that like a week ago. Two other revisions have already been made. It's up 106 now. Yep. Um, yeah. And I actually did take mine and flashed it to my easy cart. And uh, so it's just like, you know, a cartridge-based game for me now, and I can save to it. So the one thing I did notice, it's only nine ninety nine, by the way, which is a great price for how much game you're getting. Yep. Um, one thing I found, and I should probably report it to Sarah so she knows, Um is and eric you helped me kind of I, I ran some things by you but i eventually figured it out my commodore which i love so much um my my day-to-day one i was trying to run the game and every time i turned on the game it was like somebody was pressing pause over and over and over and over again it'd like pause and then close out of the pause and do it over and over and over again and i was looking up instructions i downloaded different versions of the flash i spent like 45 minutes trying to get this thing to work and then it dawned on me that the manual talks like makes a big deal about the fact that it uses two button controllers, mm-hmm. right? You can use a second button to go like back out of menus. Yeah. And then I remembered like the Commodore uses the Vic chip, um, sorry, the uh, SID chip, SID chip. SID chip yeah. to do some, it controls like paddles and has something to do with controllers. Well, that Commodore, yeah. that Commodore that I use day to day has a, uh, a fake SID in it. It's got the swin SID. So it doesn't emulate that part of the SID chip. No. So I had to find one of my backup Commodores, which has a true SID in it, and it works. So if you have a Swin SID in your Commodore, you cannot play this game. Mm. So that is something to note. I found that interesting. But the game itself, uh, I'm using the other Commodore now as my daily driver, so I can play this game when I want to. Cool. Awesome. That's that's not been a fix on on any of the recent versions, then? Uh, I'm not to my knowledge. I, I I have not made her aware of it, and I'm not sure how many other people are using. Uh, most people use emulation nowadays, apparently. So, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, if you want me to, I'll I'll send her a DM later. 
Um, nom, 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 nom. Figure that out. Uh, I got the next one here. Yes, you do. Um, after playing my Neo Geo and going, man, there's so many good Neo Geo games, but some of those new ones are really awesome, and they cost $2,000. But they made Dreamcast ports of the, most of those. For whatever reason, a lot of Neo Geo games came out come out on Dreamcast. And I'm like, I should just get like a legit Dreamcast arcade stick, that you know, the one with the green buttons? Mm-hmm. So I can play a lot of those new shooters and stuff that had come out from... Um, Oh, I forget the name of the the, the companies. They came out with um, uh, Gunlord X and Fast Striker and um, Neo XYZ. All these new games that came out for the Neo Geo on cartridge and then also on the Dreamcast. So I went ahead and and, and picked up one of those uh, arcade sticks. They're not cheap. They're about a hundred bucks. Yeah. But I wanted to have the real one, and it's a beautiful, beautiful arcade stick. And uh, plugged it in to make sure it worked and played a little Mars Matrix, which is a shmup I, I loved in the past. So I'm going to be doing a lot of Dreamcast uh, arcade stick sh- uh, stuff coming up here, I'm sure. I guess one awesome. of the things that raised the price on those is because they had to have a slot for the VMU, didn't they? They did, and they have the proprietary um, port. Yeah, nothing yeah. else has that Dreamcast port. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're, they're really nice, those sticks. I've always wanted one of those. Get them before they go up. Yep. So the next thing I w- want to cover is I got I did get uh, splurged a little bit and bought some Switch games, and one of these is a demo, and I'll cover that too. But so there are the first ones uh, two I want to talk about are both by Square Enix, and they are one is called Dungeon Encounter, and I don't know if you can pull up a video on that, Cody, but. Um, this one is very hard to explain, but there was a guy on Twitter that uh, was playing this and was talking about it, and I found it very interesting. So imagine an RPG that all the all the pretty much graphics are are stripped away from it. Like, I mean, it still has great graphics, but the playing field that you're on is just like almost like a, a picture of your character, which is really represents your party. And there are pathways that you go down. It almost looks like to me, almost like a Scrabble table. I mean, uh, it, it, you're going to have to take a look at this to, to figure out what I'm talking about, but, oh, yeah. and every number represents different item types. And when you hover over that item, it tells you what the type is. And then some of them are enemies and some of them are, are, are different things. And then it goes into this very basic, like JRPG kind of fighting combat with no, system with no animations, just like still images that shake. That's right. And so you really do need to kind of a notepad next to your game when you play this. So you, you can, I mean, all this stuff is in the game. So you can go in there and find out like, Oh, the number zero three is a sword and one eight is a, is a shop that you can go into or whatever. But, and when you hover over, it tells you that. And there's even a little place in the menus that you can go in any number that you've come across already. You can look it up, but it is kind of neat to just kind of have a notepad next to you. It tells you where these things are. And the goal of the game is you go, um, up and down levels in the game, like, like a dungeon, like you go either down two levels or three levels Mm -hmm. or whatever. 
And every time you go down a level, the characters, I mean, the enemies get harder and harder to, to, to uh, fight. But at any time you can go back up and get like weapons and go to shops and things like that. But I just found this very interesting. And at first I was like, well, I don't know if I'm going to really dig this, but I played it for about two hours and I love it. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting back to it again. I had to do homework for pixel guide. So I didn't play a ton of this, but I am looking forward to, um, to getting into this further and you can like upgrade your weapons. It's, it's, it's all the basic RPG tropes, but the, the, the graphics are scaled way down. Yeah. This. It's almost like a, just a, a smorgasbord for stat nerds, which I could totally get into. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is. Um, but it just strips away all the kind of, kind of bull crap you see in like <laughs> RPGs and like st- strips it down to its basic essentials. It's which almost is great. If, like you took an, a, a JRPG and made it into a solo board game experience and then took that and digitized it. And that's what I wanted to <laughs> you, you just nailed it. Cause I, I meant to mention that this is a lot like a board game. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it it's a blast and I, I had a ton of fun doing it. So the, the second game, out. the second game, <clears throat> which I think you would really dig too, Cody. I've been looking at it. I've been looking at it. This one's called Voice of Cards, The Isle Dragon Roars, and I downloaded the demo. There is a demo you can download, which gives you, I think, the first chapter. Okay. Which I think I'm just about ready to finish up. Um, But this game, every single thing... Again, it's an RPG, and it's by Square Enix, but everything in the game is an actual card. Like it's a card game, but everything is a card. The discussions that happen in the game, the weapons, um, things you find, the playing field is a cards that flip over as you progress. So it's kind of like they're they're not flipped over. It's kind of like a fog of war. I love but it. As you so go cool. forward, but every single thing in this game is a card, and I just found that really kind of interesting. Even the menus in this game like our cards (laughs) that flip over. Um, The only thing is, so I am enjoying this game quite a bit and I'm just about ready to finish up chapter one. The only problem is, is that it's 30, it's a $30 game. So I'm like, well, do I want to spend 30 bucks on this game? I mean, I don't know if it's, (laughs) I'm rubbing off my cheap assness is rubbing off on you, Eric. It really is. It really is. (laughs) And, uh, and that's a good thing for everybody involved. So, um, Anyway, I have been enjoying this game quite a bit, too. Um, the final two games are The Fire and the Flood, which... I've been looking um, into that for a long time. Yeah, it is basically kind of like a roguelike where you go to different... It's like a post-apocalyptic game where you're a little girl and you have this dog comes up and brings a backpack over to you. So you start out... It's a, you start off with, with very basic amount of inventory and it is a survival game. And what you're doing is you're going around collecting things to survive. And then you get on a raft and you go down this river in the raft and you go to the next port of call, like in the river. And in that you go and you still collect things. And then meanwhile, things attack you. Um, there are um, tons of different resources to collect. You can get add-ons for your raft to make it more maneuverable. And you basically are just going down the river to the next port of call, pull over, look for resources, go to the next one, go to the next one. 
basically there are four and I, you know, I hate to say this, but there are four things that you need to look out for, like temperature, um, food level, water level and shelter. And so there, well, that these things are kind of like timers. And so that is, (laughs) that is something, but the game does have, has a very interesting crafting system. It's very intuitive, very easy to learn. Um, the graphics and sound in this are gorgeous. There's a band. I don't remember the name of the band, but there is a band like a kind of a, um, almost like a blues, um, I don't know, like an Americana style band, a guitar band that plays the soundtrack to this game. And it, 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 it is very, vibe. very interesting. And I did end up buying this game. It was pretty inexpensive. I think it was less than four bucks or something. Yeah. Um, it looks like a crazy good deal. I think right now on PlayStation, it's one forty nine. Yeah. Cause I'm like um, hovering over it constantly going, eh, I want it. I think I want it. It's a fun game. So, I mean, I I do want to get back to this one as well. It is pretty cool. Um, And then the last one was recommended to me by Paradroid, which is one of our Patreon patrons. I use both. Patreon patron. Um, Paradroid recommended Distropolis, which is a, I am a sucker for a twin stick shooter. And this one, one thing that's interesting about this, Tim, which I thought you'd be interested, you know, the, C64 music guy, his name's what Luke Lukash or yeah, I think I'm what it, him, yeah. Um, he basically is a big like music guy on the he did the soundtrack for this game on the Switch, and um, it's not C64 music, but it's like synth music, but it's really really good. What you are is just this little cube, cube thing you're running around firing and you're collecting different weapon types and you are moving around this flat two dimensional plane with a bunch of 3d things in it. And every time you hit a, when you get a certain amount of points, you go to a different level. It's got a very, very cool, like um, everything slows down and then it goes, it gives you this menu where you can select all these power ups and you do that in between every level. And, uh, it is, it is, it, it's a, it gets to be a very anxiety ridden kind of hectic game eventually, but, uh, it's a blast. It's just one of those fun, see like this new level and then it goes into here and you just pick different. Yeah. It looks like a modernized arcade game. I looks, it looks really cool. And this one, this one was really cheap as well. I think I ended up paying three bucks for this two or three bucks. So. Um, Distropolis is, the, is its name. So I, 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 this is one of my like going to bed games. Like I, I just play this before I go to bed because it's like a kind of a mind palate cleanser. Like you, you just go. play this. So anyway, those are the four new Switch games that I got, and all of them are actually a lot of fun. I think the Flame in the Flood is probably looking like going to be one of the games I play over the holiday season. I think it's yeah. like one of those games where I can just because i've actually got some proper time off i can really look sit down nice because that yep. was like my traditional zelda time um was that's was right every year yeah you got a, the zelda and you play it with your daughter that's it yep. yeah so yeah I, I i really like the style of that one that looks really good so and the my, graphics are beautiful in that game yeah, so you, thank you you'll enjoy it. that one out that looks yeah really good I've heard of that one about that one for years. They just never pulled the trigger. But like I said, right now for a buck fifty on PlayStation, or even if it's a few bucks more on Switch, I need to figure out though if I want to play it portable. Which that looks like a game I could sit in bed with too. So 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it looks really good. Speaking of Zelda-like games. So Zelda Game & Watch is out. Grab mine. Yes, it um, did. It is basically the Game & Watch, and it has different versions of Zelda on it. Um, I don't want to go too far into it, but I did pick mine up, and I was uh, wondering if you guys had picked one up yet. I know, Cody, you said you were having trouble finding it. Well, I, I the day it came out, I got a notification. <laughs> I wanted to run out and get it, but I, I couldn't. I had work and stuff. And then next thing I know, it's been like a week, and I can't find them anywhere now. So one of the one of the coolest things I found about this was in the box, like some of the packaging that it sits in inside of the box yeah. is actually a stand, which is one thing that yeah. Cody and I complained about, about the Mario <laughs> one is that there's no stand. You have to go buy a stand for it if you want it to be a clock, uh, which is it's a game and watch. So yeah. if you you'd have to get a stand, this one comes with a little cardboard one, which, yeah, it's cardboard, but it's pretty cool that they included that. And it's like a punch out of the packaging you just yeah. punch it out and assemble it and it's a little stand i still don't know why they can't just put the uh you know one cent paper clip stand that came in all the original ones but you know yeah it, it's better right. than no stand that's right so anyway i got that so that's one of my other and then the last thing i want to talk about and this one is retro so i got a new game for my xbox one it is the halo master chief collection Again, you said Xbox One, but this is actually the new Xbox One now. Well, this one's just my Xbox One. I don't have an Xbox Series X. But yeah, the original Xbox One. But this is the Master Chief Collection, which is Halo 1, 2, 3, and 4. But it's for the Xbox One, the new one. It It is, but it's all the old <laughs> Halo games. So you can play them on your new machine. You don't have gotcha, to dig out gotcha. your old one. Yep. So instead of digging out your old hardware, you can just play it on the newer hardware, but all the old games. The Xbox. And I actually used and dirty, was it? <laughs> exactly. I got it cheap. Exactly. That's what I said on Twitter. I got it cheap. Used, cheap and dirty. And dirty. And it, um, I did start playing it today because I bought it today. Um, I did start playing it and it's, it's awesome. I mean, it's, it's fun to get back into Halo. I really loved playing Halo and I played a lot of the co-op. Never played land it. games with Halo. Um, and uh, it's just fun going through the old campaigns on this on a modern system where I don't have to dig out the old equipment. So, Master think, Chief Collection. I'm thinking about getting a more modern Xbox so I can play some Forza and a few other uh, X- Xbox exclusives. Nice. Including Halo. Never played a Halo. My my Xbox still sitting under the under the thing here <laughs> on the desk, and I, I haven't again. I haven't had a chance to play on it recently. Um, but I do want to get back in because I think there was a new Forza that got released recently as well, wasn't there? I think there was, yeah. I don't know whether that's just on the... Oh, it just came out, yeah, 5, I think. Forza yeah, Horizon 5. that's just on the X or whether that works on the the S that I've got. I think it does. does. I think it does. Okay, yep. cool. Good. Guys, I feel like we're, we are, we are uh, efficiently caught up. Yes. Which means it's time for us to battle some systems. Battle of the Systems! <laughs> so, this month, Eric, we, we you, you picked out the games, and I'll be honest, at first I didn't understand how they related at all. But now you do. I do now. When I, anyways, go ahead and, go ahead and tell, tell the friendly listeners what we're playing. 
So I picked the, the, the like you do often. You pick a game because you want to play it. Yep. And one game I never actually played a lot of, but uh, you always hear about is Crash Bandicoot. Never, never really got into it. I played it. I dabbled here and there on it, but I never really played it a ton. So I was like, you know what? I want to try to play the original Crash Bandicoot on PS1. And I thought, what well, would be fun to contrast that game with? What would be a fun system or a fun game to to try and play that's similar to it, but uh, different enough to where it would be interesting? And so I did a little research, and I had never played this game before. We are we are battling Crash Bandicoot with super magnetic neo on the dreamcast and so have you ever heard of these either of these games well obviously crash bandicoot but uh, super magnetic neo you talking to tim both of you oh i i've never heard of i never heard of super magnetic neo before i never even no, heard of it me neither never never heard of it never saw it um yeah so yep. in college when i was doing my dreamcast piracy um I knew that that was the, that you know it's a Dreamcast exclusive, and I knew of that game, and I knew it was a. Um, I mean, it wasn't a system seller by any means, but it was a it was you know it was a Dreamcast game. It was a mascot on the Dreamcast, kind of like a failed mascot. Um, so I knew very well what it was. I remember seeing the the art and everything, but I never actually played the gameplay. Mm-hmm. So I in my head it was always like a um, like a like a. a uh, what's the Mario 64 type of game, like a 3D platformer, yeah. free roaming kind of a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so after playing it now, I do know it is very much a <laughs> Crash Bandicoot ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> for better or for worse, which we'll talk about. Yeah. So do we have any game deets? Let's go ahead and dig into Crash Bandicoot. Start with the I known quantity here. Stuff, or I don't know whether Eric's got some stuff. Is No, please go ahead. Yeah. I would like to hear it. So why don't you go ahead? Are we going to start with Super Magnetic Neo or are we going to start with Crash? I would say let's, since with with that introduction that Cody gave, let's start with Crash Bandicoot because since that's what we're kind of comparing it to. Yeah, let's start with that. Okay. So Crash Bandicoot is on the PlayStation or PS1. It was developed by Naughty Dog Software and released in September of 1996. Um, it's a, basically it's a 3D platformer. It does have some side-scrolling elements on different levels. Um, the game's protagonist, as we know, is Crash Bandicoot, um, who was actually created by a mad scientist, Doctor Neo Cortex, whilst using his Evolvo Ray um, to turn to turn Crash into the leader of the army of um, of, of cortex's evil army um of crazy wildlife uh crash finds himself rejected in favor of um his girlfriend twana is that how you sell it twana i've I've, I've never i don't think i ever actually heard the name said in the game anywhere but (laughs) i don't think i did either so i don't know if that's the right way or not yeah um who is brainwashed by uh the cortex vortex Uh, Crash must work his way through 32 levels of platform action to reach his goal to rescue Tawana. Uh, So Crash must progress through the levels, uh, jumping on crates over gaps in the path and using his spin attacks to break boxes to find hidden Wumpa fruit that if you collect 100 gives you an extra life. I don't know if you guys knew that one. You probably did. I Um, did. 
you can also find extra lives in boxes along with uh, sort of like the TNT, the exploding boxes. So they have a little bit of a dynamic. So if you spin uh, spin into one of those boxes, they explode instantly. If you jump on top of the box, um, it sets a three second timer and then explodes. So you've got to run away quick. Um, along the way through the levels, you also get a checkpoint. Um, so that's handy for players like me who are completely useless at these sort of games. Um, so if you die, you go back to the checkpoint rather than going all the way back to the beginning, unlike the other game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Foreshadowing. So a spirit guide called Aku Aku, um, who supports Crash throughout the game. Um, you get his basically likeness as a symbol in some of the boxes. Um, you spin into that and you get a, was it like a face mask on? A tiki mask, yeah. Kind of like, yeah. Yeah, a mask. Um, and then that protects Crash against one hit or something like that, doesn't it? Um, uh, one enemy hit. Um, this is ha- really handy when you're trying to get past some of the more difficult enemies, even sort of like on the first level, you've got those big venus flytrap type guys haven't you that sort of like snap at you and oh, yeah. from the distance so that's that's quite handy when you're getting through the, those levels um there's also uh hidden in hidden in the levels that you've got like character tokens um apparently you collect three of these and it will take you to a bonus level at the end which is where you can actually get the save game progress so if you're playing on the real hardware that's where you can um, save the game back to the memory card um games generally got good graphics atmospherical sound um control method is nice and simple um so you've got a button for jump a button for spin attack and then the the usual controls for up down left right uh reviews of this game um receive very good praise uh, one example was computer and video games over here in the UK. Um, it actually gave it the full front cover for its 15th anniversary issue. Um, and in November 1996, it gave it four out of five. What do hmm. you guys think of Crash Bandicoot then? Why don't you go ahead, Cody? Tell us what you think of Crash Bandicoot. I'll give you a little backstory. So this was right in that the heyday of... Um, you know, obviously when PlayStation came out and then the Nintendo 64 came out and I had a bias against Sony joining the video game market because it, even at that young age, I was frustrated by the fact that Nintendo and Sega, who made their life making video games, made their whole living making video games, and all of a sudden some, you know, giant conglomeration comes in and just like, oh, we're going to make video games and do it better than you guys now. And uh, that frustrated me and upset me. And this game absolutely had, uh, it was the mascot that represented that, so I loathed it. And it uh, had the those kind of um, wonky PlayStation pixely 3D, pseudo 3D, although it was 3D, graphics that just drove me nuts and I could never gel with it. Uh, so I had never played it up until... My first uh, time I ever played anything about Crash Bandicoot was about three or four years ago when I played, I think it was Uncharted 3, which okay. in the middle of Uncharted 3, you're playing you know, a modern game, and all of a sudden in the game, um, one of the characters is sitting down and playing a PlayStation, and they're playing Bra- Cra- Crash Bandicoot, and you actually get to play uh, one of the levels where you're actually running towards the camera. And I remember playing that on Uncharted 3, and I'm like, this is actually kind of fun. <laughs> um, yeah. So playing this, 
it was not what I expected. I, I expected um, a Mario killer, kind of like the commercials where Crash Bandicoot used to go out in front of Nintendo headquarters and yell at him in a, with a megaphone and say, hey, plumber man. What, you know, the super aggressive, like, 90s advertising where you just, like, yeah. challenge Mario to a duel. Um, right. And so I expected it to be, like, a 3D platformer. They collect them up kind of a thing. And it's, honestly, it's kind of like a... a a side-scrolling platformer that you just get a view from either the front or back rather than from the side. Um, there are absolutely levels where you play it from the side. There are levels where you run, again, away from the screen, kind of like these down these tight corridors where you can move left and right, but only like, you know, a couple feet either way. Uh, yeah. Or you run towards the camera, which is difficult because you're not able to see what's coming at you. Um, That's right. But it was super addictive, I'm not going to lie. I actually found it to be really enjoyable. The fact it was kind of simple and clunky, but very responsive made it feel good. Um, And it was not easy. And the checkpoints, you had to kind of work for them and play levels over and over and over again to beat them, which is kind of that Contra thing I like, where you play more and you get better and you memorize it. Um, So I actually had a, a blast with it and kind of overcame my personal bias towards it that i that i came up with at a young age how about you eric i I think i have a lot of similar feelings about it i i didn't know what to expect because i didn't really play it all that often in the past i would load it up play maybe a level or two and then just kind of forget about it this time i went a little further yeah i mean there are there are levels that get actually pretty challenging um that boulder level we were just watching, like I can't tell you how many lives I lost on that. And I'd get right to the end and then the <laughs> boulder would hit me. I mean, I, I was like a, three pixels away from when, from beating it. And then the boulder would hit me and kill me. And it took me a while to get past that. Um, I think the spinning aspect of it is really interesting. Like, like it's almost like sometimes mini puzzles about how you break the, yeah. the little crates. You know what I mean? Um, and that, that, that actually fills in certain areas because if you didn't have those crates there, it would just be almost like just pure platforming, which would get kind of boring. So adding the crate element, I think was pretty interesting. And I read somewhere about like the developers designing the crate system. They did that for exactly that same reason. And I can totally see that. Um, I feel the same way. Like I found the game, the more I played it, the more I really wanted to beat the level. If I, if I had to walk away and go to dinner or something, I'd think about, well, man, I just want to get back to (laughs) that, to beat that level. So I really enjoyed my time with it. I did find the graphics. I mean, the, the, um, the controls a little clunky in certain spots where you would misjudge, um, the direction, I guess, in some in some ways. Yeah, knowing like where you're you, going to land was absolutely uh, trial and error. <laughs> yep, and I think that's a better way to describe <clears throat> it. Like like where you were going to land from jumps, like whether you were jumping over a chasm or jumping over those little fences when you're when the boulder was chasing you. Yep. It it <clears throat> I got it, I got frustrated by that a, a few times, but. Once you screw up once, you kind of get, okay, that depth wasn't correct or that distance wasn't correct. So I better kind of change my uh, approach to get past that. So, yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed my time with this. 
So uh, in, in the gameplay part, what about you, Tim? Do you know what? It's really funny that you guys mentioned the, the whole Sony thing. Um, I, I kind of understand what you're saying, but I think for me personally, at the time when this came out, it was just another, you know, 3D type of game, nothing really groundbreaking or anything like that. Um, because obviously, you know, the Mario 64 and other, 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 other systems have been doing it. Um, and at the, at the time I was, you know, busy selling this sort of stuff, not really playing it. So again, it's a game that I've not really had a chance really until now to actually sit down and play at all. Um, I've got to admit, I haven't had a huge amount of time to sit down and play this one, but what I did play of it, I was pleasantly surprised. Right. Um, I think <clears throat> maybe this game has, has kind of like bucked the trend a little bit, whereas some, some games don't age well. But I think this game has actually just kind of like stayed at a level um, and it's, it's, it's just sort of like holding its own um, even now. Um, I wouldn't say it's, you know, a mega, mega, mega game or anything like that, but I, I really enjoyed it. And the thing that I like about it is the, and I think this was um, part of the development process is that I think the game originally was actually, I'm not saying that it's easy uh, because it's not, um, but I think originally the game was designed and it was, you know, a heck of a lot more challenging than the, than how it was, especially at the start of the game. So I think they've did a lot of work on getting you into the game, you know, like, again, like, like a lot yeah. of games do, but I think they did a lot of work of getting you into the game, getting you into the dynamic, making the controls nice and simple. Um, and, uh, just running you through the first but also, levels, but also like a lot of games don't. <laughs> well, exactly, yeah, yeah. There, there are there are some games that just don't. It's just straight in difficulty. <clears throat> um, <laughs> yeah, which we'll uh, be talking about in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Foreshadowing. Yeah, <clears throat> um, but but yeah, I mean, I, I really like Crash Bandicoot. It's it's a great game. Um, you know, is is it groundbreaking at the time? Yes, it was. It was a you know a, a nice three D graphical game and all that sort of stuff. Has the graphics stood the test of time? Maybe not. Um, but I think that the important thing with this is is the gameplay, is the the play element of it. And I like the 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 switch from sort of like like you say the different viewing angles, that sort of stuff. The ones where it's you're running towards the screen is a bit 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 difficult to translate the controls. Um, but, um, yeah, I, overall, I think I, 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 I quite like Crash Bandicoot uh, and there's my even opinion has changed a bit of it. So you used to have a bad opinion of it, huh? I, I wouldn't say I had a bad opinion, but I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't a game that I ever thought of, like, I'm going to actually pick up and play if you see yeah. what I mean. because it, because it was such a big thing at the time, you know, very commercial and you know a big title on the playstation sometimes that tends to put me off things yep that's exactly where i was yeah it's like a feeling of disinterest about it yeah and i have to laugh because another level type is this one where you literally ride a hog a squealing hog down a corridor and my favorite part is right at the beginning and just little things like this that make this game charming he looks at the camera, looks back at you, and, and winks his eyes like, He's got some oh, yeah. Character, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, we're going to jump on this wild hog right now. <laughs> we're going to do this. Let's do this. <laughs> and um, yep. 
Uh, and to show how well the game, how well liked this game was, there is a metric buttload of sequels to this game. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Crash Bandicoot, Bandicoot Two, Cortex Strikes Back, Warped, Crash Team Racing, which is another kart racer. Great game. Um, Crash Bash, Crash Bandicoot: The Wrath of Cortex. Blah blah blah. I mean, this goes. This page goes on and on. There fact, are this, and, uh, this month, Crash Bandicoot Four just came out. Yep, Crash Bandicoot 4 came out. So, I mean, th- this game has a long legacy. And so, I mean, there is a reason it's fun to play. So, cool. We, yeah. You want to rate this bad boy? Well, I, I mentioned it also has boss battles. Sure. It has an overworld yeah, it map. It actually, to me, it, honestly, it feels almost, it feels very much, even the humor, um, it's in this jungle theme, although it's the Bandicoot thing is an Australian theme. It's like a Mayan jungle themed game. Um, but to me, it feels very much like Donkey Kong Country 3D. Yeah. Like the fact that even it's overworld map that even looks like a Donkey Kong Country game, the true. pseudo 3D of Donkey Kong. This is you know true 3D, but with with still with 2D gameplay. Honestly, I mean, there's side scrolling levels that are just side scrolling levels like this one, yeah. um, which are actually probably my favorite. Um. And then the ones where you go into the screen are pretty much just side-scrolling levels, but done in a different viewpoint. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, to me, it feels very much, if you like Donkey Kong Country, you're, you're going to like this style of game, in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, like the other like the other game, there's um, a different version for the Japanese market and the uh, European and American market of Crash as well. What's the difference there? What, what is it? Um, there's some elements of the game. It's, I don't think it's a huge amount in the game in Crash, but there's certain things like uh, different cutscenes and bits and pieces like that where the boxes land on his head. Um, the ones that you, the, if you don't collect all the boxes throughout the level, they, oh, yeah, yeah. The level, they smash on his head and that sort of thing. Some bits and pieces like that were taken out for the Japanese version. Um, and apparently there's uh, one part on there where um, he just turns into a set of eyeballs or something like that. Um, and that was taken out of the Japanese version because apparently it was the um, the MO of a serial killer in Japan or something like that at the time. So that huh. must be taken Yikes. out of the game. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. The other thing I have to point out is that um, one of the things you collect is these pictures of this this girl's face. And for whatever reason, in cartoons, if you want to make a, a woman sultry and sexy, you put bangs over one of her eyes. So that's what they did here. There's a, I guess it's a female bandicoot with bangs over one of her eyes. Or I don't know if you call them bangs, hair over one of her eyes. So yeah. apparently yeah. she is very attractive. Um, I don't know how to judge bandicoots. But... <laughs> Yeah, no fun game, and the I mean the music was simple and very repetitive, but it never felt repetitive because it was kind of simple and just kind of worked. Yeah, it was in the background, very much background music, wasn't it? Yep, but uh, yeah, I played a lot of this game and didn't get terribly far. In fact, I'm watching this is uh, I got a couple levels past this one, and in the amount of time it took us to talk about it, it's been 17 minutes. I don't think it was even that long. Actually, I think I fast forwarded. Um, and I probably played for three hours to, to get this far, but you know, hey, I did a lot of dying. Yeah, I think I probably, I think I probably sunk a couple of hours into it, in in total. I think and I, I play- played about three hours. Mm-hmm. 
I played mine on my uh, my PlayStation Classic, by the way, on my uh, my mini, my HDMI version. That's I did exactly as well. What I did, yeah, yep. because I burnt this off to play on my PlayStation One and did the disc swap, and it would work for about ten minutes, and then it would just lock up. Hmm. Huh. So I then went on to think, oh, I know, I've got the um, was it the Free Boot on the PlayStation Two. So that's got that can uh, run PlayStation One games. No, <laughs> you've then got to download loads of different files and do some emulation tricks and all this sort of stuff. And oh, I just I think I almost sunk as much time getting the game to work than I did actually playing the game. <laughs> this is the life of a retro gamer. <laughs> yep. So we need we need to come up with a, a ret- uh, gaming uh, scale here. So how about? Um, the next game on our list, Super Magnetic Neo, plays on the Dreamcast, which is highly touted for having built-in 720p back in the day. Mm-hmm. So after, after out of 720 uh, boxes to break, what are we going to give Crash Bandicoot? Crash. Was it a Crash Splash or whatever they called it? A Crash Sizzler? All right, so who, who's going first? Eric, you are. Okay, I'm going to pick 680 out of 720. Wow. Yeah, I liked it a lot. That's very high praise. I, I quite liked it. We need, to keep, we need to keep track of the score now, otherwise we're not going to know who won. What did you do? 680, wasn't it? 680. I'm going to go with 637. 637. Okay. Tim? Uh, I'm going to go 620. 620. All right. Super Magnetic Neo. Indeed. Give us some background there, Tim. Come on. You want to go on this one? Okay. Here we go. So, Super Magnetic Neo for the Dreamcast, or in Japan, it was called Super Super Magnetic Neo Neo. Oh, much different. (laughs) Neo Neo. Uh, it was developed by Genki in Japan, and in the rest of the world, it was published by Crave Entertainment. It was released in February uh, 2000, the year 2000 in Japan, and in the summer of 2000 in the USA and Europe. This is a bright and colorful, bizarre action pl- platformer in which you control the pro- protagonist Neo, or called New New in Japanese. Neo is a robot with super magnetic powers and can be positive, negative, north, south, um, uh, keyed as in the game. Um, as So in other words, um, he can be positively or negatively charged um, and you control that on your gamepad by using the blue or red buttons to match the natural um, colors of a north and south magnet. And when I first played this, yeah, when I first played this, I did not know that. And it, when I read through the manual, finally, it was like, hey, it matches. You know, the magnetism matches the colors of the buttons. And I was like, uh, it made a lot more sense then. So anyway, Um, so the magnetic power is used to attract or repel Neo to platforms or enemies in the game. Uh, Essentially, it's a 3D platformer with a puzzle element, with a lot of puzzle element. Um, starting out it's quite simply um, in in the game uh, you've got color-coded platforms 
that you jump onto and then hit the corresponding color and you will jump up and collect the items along the way. Later, you attract yourself to points on rails and the rails will take you over large gaps or enemies. You can also jump from rails onto swinging orbs um, to complete more complex parts of the levels. So this is breaking this down in the most very simplistic way. <laughs> um, there are two modes of play. Uh, so you've got uh, the main game, which has four worlds, and they are jungle world, ancient world, cowboy world, and future world. Each world has four levels and an end of level boss. The second mode of play is the challenge mode. And this is a good way to get into the game and get used to the controls. Um, it's simple. The controls are simple in the nature as in <laughs> this one to do this, you press this one to do this. You press There's only three buttons. There's, there's oh. north, south, and jump. Jump, yeah. So it sounds simple. Uh, on paper, <laughs> it sounds simple. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's really hard to master. The coordination to complete those steps to required um, to complete each uh, level on either in the challenge mode or in the main game um it sounds simple but the actual um method to get the timing right is extremely difficult um especially with the the jump thrown in there as well and all that sort of stuff um so the challenge mode has five modes and each of those has um 20 different puzzles to complete and they're also not just not to add the difficulty of trying to get the control mechanism right but there's a timer in the challenge mode as well which is a real bitch <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, the graphics um and sound for the dreamcast are excellent uh, there are different tunes for each level of the game um great effects and um, some wacky cutscenes. um the game was widely accepted as um a very good but very difficult game um official dreamcast magazine gave it 85 percent um saying if you can um, get past the frustrating difficulty level there's actually a pretty darn smart game involved so come on then guys opinions on super magnetic neo so let's start with the graphics it's very pretty i like how they described it in your in your thing there they said it's very bright colorful and did they say weird yeah 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 so the way squishy the Typically, the way you would sum that up is it's very Japanese. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, it's, it, it is a Japanese-developed <clears throat> game. So, yeah, absolutely. Get that straight out of the bat. <laughs> and it's got these anime cutscenes, which are actually really well done. Um, they look great. They sound great. They're long. They're substantial. But with just crazy, bizarre, over-the-top, weird Japanese content about, like, this three these three, like you know, over the top weird gangster guys and their leader is this baby who is two years old. And one of the guys just drinks banana milk, which is apparently a thing, which is, that sounds disgusting. Um, I mean, just the, the weird stuff they threw together to make a story. was just, it's just bizarre, but Hey, kudos. I like it. You know, um, let's just, let, let me just do this. Let's, let's start by looking at this game purely as what it is. And ignore the control method it is they this must have come after crash bandicoot because it sounds like they took that crash bandicoot's popularity and said how do we make it better and they added stuff 
It's like um, four years after, right? It was like four years. It was 96 for Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, exactly. 2000 for this, yeah. So I think the gameplay, the actual, I mean, like what you do is much more interesting. There's a lot more mm-hmm. going on than Crash Bandicoot. You kind of, um, for the most part, you control how fast you're going, where you're going. Whereas Crash Bandicoot, you kind of just roll with the speed that level scrolling at. Uh, in a lot of levels, not all levels. Um, the levels where you're going into the screen, kind of like we're looking at now. Um, man, just watching it, I'm getting frustrated. Um, depth, <laughs> just like Crash Bandicoot, depth perception is an issue. Yep. I don't think that yep. changes between the two, although I'd, I'd say it's a little worse with this one. Um, I did get a hang of the, pretty quickly without looking into a menu, about the magnet and how it worked. Um it is very much puzzles all the time. Puzzles followed by puzzles. Uh, there's coins in here to collect to get lives if you want to. But, um, I mean, when it, when it comes down to it, all I can say is the game is pretty and I like what they were doing, but the game the gameplay is the control mechanism. And I think we ha- we'll have to get to that because that, you know, that defines the game. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And it, um, it reminded me a little bit of Ikaruga, like where the yeah. color changes or what you're like that Ikaruga for people that don't know is a shoot 'em up where when all the enemies will flip different colors, black or white, and you can fire black or white. And if you, if you, they're black enemies, you want to fire black projectiles. If they're white, you want to do white ones. Um, the key in this game is to know when to do the right magnetism because one repels the thing and the other one attracts the thing. Just like a magnet. And when you, yeah, when you attract an enemy in this game, it boxes them up and then you can pick up that box and you can throw that box against other enemies or, or other things in the game to do whatever you're trying to do. When you repel an enemy, it just repels them and you can knock them off of cliffs. You can knock them into other things or whatever. The tricky part is there are zip lines all over the place. So you progress through the level by sometimes needing to take these almost like blind jumps where you, it's hard to gauge the depths on some, a lot of them, but then you need to activate the right magnetism to grab the zip line, which is the attract one. And it's hard. I had just had a very, very difficult time rewiring my brain. Unlike Ikaruga, which you pick up really quick this one, it was just very hard because there's two different modes. There's like attract and repel, mm-hmm. depending on the color of the magnetism. So I was often hitting the wrong button and falling on zip lines that I shouldn't have. Um, and I, I think that in the, be- like, let's say we travel back to the year 2000 and I had bought this game. I think I would have been more inclined to devote the time to rewire my brain to do this because. I would have wanted to get my money's worth out of it. And it is an interesting mechanic, which I would have wanted to master. But having just played this for a couple of weeks, it's like I, I, I couldn't, I just couldn't wrap my brain around it. I, you go ahead, Tim. No, no, you go. You go. No, it's, it's frustrating to the point where you kind of like, you, get your, you just then get out of the game. That's not yeah. for me personally. That's how I found it. I want to get into this game because it, it looks and feels brilliant. 
and sounds brilliant. Like, the music the control, is amazing. I like the theory of the control method. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what frustrated me is, is like, like you say, you, you attract and repel and all that sort of stuff. But when you're trying to make these literally, uh, you know, you'd think being British and pixel perfect is, I, I would be great <laughs> at this sort of thing, but no, uh, even just like you go into the challenge mode. Yeah. I don't know if either of you guys went into, the I didn't mode. actually. I no. did. I yeah. did the cha- I did some of the challenge mode to try to get better at learning the mechanism. Exactly. Yeah. And the, the thing that the frustrated the heck out of me is the first time you've got sort of like the orbs, which are uh, like the pendulums. Yeah. Which you've mm-hmm. just got, to, you've got to attract yourself onto, and then you've then got to kind of like jump off of, you'd think, that you're actually going with the momentum of the pendulum effect and at the at its you know peak the other end that's when you're going to have the most force and be able to jump off and you know get to the platform which doesn't work i mean i don't know how you guys found it but i didn't find that it worked that way if you then went off at that peak point you actually just drop straight down yeah so you've got to judge it sort of like, so you're almost in the middle of the, your opposite side, side swing to then get the most momentum to get off. <laughs> and then because you're then not, the, the platform is almost designed to do it at its peak point. So it's on the screen, you're only like a, a you know, like a, a, a centimeter or a millimeter or whatever it is, um, a couple of millimeters away. Um, you, you miss the platform because you you've not got it's, it's yeah i know so i got frustrating <laughs> <laughs> talking with your hands again so i can yeah, understand sorry. you listeners sorry. aren't going um it, it's funny that i think we all had different issues although we, i think we all had the same issues we all had one major issue that bugged us more and more and my thing uh, it was a number again a number of things but the main thing for me is that the buttons like when you're looking at the dreamcast controller you basically have the bottom button and then the left and right button Mm-hmm. on the button the button pad so we'll just call the left the left one one the bottom one two and the right one three right yeah so the middle one the bottom one is jump and then the left is like red and then the other one's blue something like that and th- so but to me jump should do the most things but like if you if you hop onto a blue orb you have to hit red which is the opposite color to attract yourself to it then you shoot up you can't jump off like i want to jump off with jump but you don't press jump you press one of the two polar buttons again yourself away from it yeah yeah and it that, that doesn't work for me and then and everything in the game is is not only it should be simple it's just, hey there's just you know positive negative and jump that's all there is but every time you do a different action, it requires a different button that you don't think is like, it's when do I use jump? When do I use? Do. Yeah. yeah. And then you have these boss battles where all of a sudden enemies are charging at you. And somehow I'm not sure how you're supposed to know if they're red or blue, but I can never see it in time. They already hit me by the time it got to me. And so you pick, okay, I'm going to hit blue. Shoot. I just repelled myself and shot myself into a Creek. Yeah. It's like, but I couldn't even tell what color they were. I have no idea. Like, it's just, and of course, we're forgetting the run aspect of it as well. No, I didn't even use a run. Oh, you, you you run, and you can't. You don't run in a straight line, and the run is using the trigger, and to try and then actually control your running with the with the same, you, it's on the same side as your thumb pad, so you're you're trying to run run and control the trigger with the same thing, and it's just it just 
goes all over the place. And you just shoot off in the distance, and if you hit a wall, you just, like, die. Yeah, and that's that's the other thing. It's instant insta-death on this as well, isn't it? It's a one-hit kill. And then the other thing is timing. <laughs> like you mentioned earlier, there's no checkpoints, so you get through almost the entire level. You have to go all the way at the beginning. On the level where they straight-up ripped off the uh, wild hog levels from Crash Bandicoot, Yeah. He's got this little, like, pony with wheels. It's like a motorcycle pony. And the, the uh, let's see if I can pull it up here. The animation for him to get on that thing, um, he, like, looks at you, then looks away, then, like, looks it back at you, then looks away, then, like, hops on it, then looks back at you, and then gives you a thumbs up. It's like this 10-second animation. And then as soon as you go, you know, you just, you die because yeah. you... And you don't die because you fell off a cliff or hit a spike. You die because you literally just like touched a random object. So it doesn't. You're like, wait, why did that kill me? And then you have to go back and watch them do that 10 second animation over and over and over. You're like waiting. You might as well just say loading. I'm like, come on, let's get back to the game so I can die and get further than die then get further. Um, yeah, I wanted to love it because it looks beautiful and I love. I think they made some really good puzzles and a lot of it's very creative and smart but but no (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh that's the other thing could did you guys even get a grasp on the overworld no i i i gotta be honest i i've barely even got off the first level on this game (laughs) oh really playing the challenge mode more than anything um i very much heavily relied on youtube um (laughs) for, for seeing what was actually in this game um i did watch um uh a, a take on ang- angry video game nerdies it's slightly healthy video game nerd or something like that um on youtube he did a really good video on this um and uh he's one of one of the only people that have uh, you know are actually known out there to have completed this game to 100% huh. wow and that took some real doing because there's like hidden stuff in there that you've got to collect um, and other bits and pieces. And there's this one thing because he he was actually he 100 percent completed the Japanese version because there's a couple of slight little differences. Um, and they took some bits and pieces out on the the European and American version. Um, and it's close towards the end of the level uh, of the end of the game. And there's this one one thing where you sort of like you've got a, a platform um, and then you've got one of those, um, the pendulum orb swinging, and then you've got to land on an enemy and the enemy will bump you up onto the next platform. And unless you land at exactly the right place on that enemy to bump you up, you get hit off. So, and that's like literally the last part of the level on one of the very last levels. Um, and he said it just, it's just ridiculous. Uh, I think it was more luck than judgment that he got through it. Um, but yeah, it's just crazy, crazy difficult this game. (laughs) So that overworld though. Um, so I did beat the first world. There's five levels in each world and then you beat a boss and then you can go to, it opens up other worlds. Um, but the overworld is like this bizarre it feels like you're playing a game you're not sure if this is an overworld or if you're in a different level and then you have to catch like random rings that take you on these escalators to other areas which are locked and then it's like it's just this confusing um 
you know, un- unlike Crash Bandicoot, where you just see a map with obvious lines going to the next level and you can go back and forth and click on it, you have to, like, play a game to get to other levels in the game. And it was just confusing. You could literally fall off ledges while you're trying to go between levels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's like they took all the all the good ideas they had and said, let's not throw anything out and we'll just see what happens. And it's like, uh, it could have been... Yeah. It could have been so much better. This this game is screaming out for a, a, a remake and kind of, you know, just rounding off the edges, if you know what I mean. Um, because yeah, definitely. Personally, I think this, this could be, and it, 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 you know, if you've got the time and the and the chops to actually, you know, really sit down and play this game, I, I'd imagine this is such a rewarding and fantastic game. Um, but it for for me as a mere mortal playing game um it, i've just got no hope with this game no hope whatsoever but it's it's a game i wish i you know had had the gaming chops to actually sit down and complete and play more so i have 720 uh boxes in this case that you can throw at walls to knock them over yeah how many i'll go first here so i'm going to I'm going to give it some credit for for the graphics and the sound, but for the gameplay, I'm going to give this thing an overall score of 390. 390. 390 out of 720. Yep. Wow, that's harsh. <laughs> it, but that what I mean gameplay is everything. I so yeah, I don't I'm not yeah, yeah. I'm not way off. I I you know, we don't need to echo everything we already said. I'm going to give it a 420. Okay. I I I I probably bump it up a little bit further. I, I I appreciate everything about it. I really do. Um but like you say gameplay is everything. So I I'm probably going I'm probably going to go for about 500 on this one. Gotcha. So complete backwards from Crash Bandicoot as far as how we scored it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Shoot. Is anyone doing math cuz that's going to take maths. Well, we All have right. a winner. We have a winner. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know if we have to do the math. <laughs> oh, I guess you're right. No, we, we clearly have a winner. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. I think really it's basically it's I think the, the thing that tipped it over was for Crash is the playability and the kind of like that character fullness that's in the game. Not that, that, yeah. that you know, Neo doesn't have that character and stuff, but, you know, you kind of just end up want to just throttling the, the little dude because it's just such a frustrating game <laughs> yeah i mean that's what it comes down to is if we we're judging this on like game design or whatever that'd be one thing we're, we're talking about this that like what do i want to play yeah i'm yeah. throwing crash in every time <laughs> yeah. like that it's fun i want to play something that is fun yeah i don't want to throw in something and go wow this could be really good because it's interesting but frustrating yeah but it was uh, I, I you know I, i'm psyched that you picked this one eric because it's one of those games that you know you you'd sit there and wonder about it forever wouldn't you if you didn't actually pick it up and play it and yeah um, yeah we, we we've done that now we don't need to revisit super <laughs> again. <laughs> we can tick the box we're done so next time we play the dreamcast we'll play floygan brothers <laughs> <laughs> yay <laughs> oh we keep seeing this dude in this ad i was going to pull it up but Cool, guys. Well, cool. that is Pixel Guide N, and that is November in the books, which means we need to prepare for A, Christmas, and B, our end of the year show, where we talk about all of our favorite things for the year. Yay! 
I don't think we'll be talking about Super Magnetic Neo, though. No, no, unfortunately. (laughs) And we need to do an entire episode on all those MSX games we studied for. Hmm. (laughs) I'm going to have to revisit those somehow. (laughs) The goal is to beat the competition judges to get into the judgment, but uh, that's all past. (laughs) I blame myself. Maybe we can just pick our three favorite games, talk about those or something. Yeah. Uh, it was. They were cool games, though. I want to talk about those. They eventually. were. There was some good stuff. All right, gentlemen. Um, All right. Well, we'll figure the rest uh, off off air. I'm sure. Yep. And uh, any any last words? Any uh, future thoughts here? Um. No, I don't think so. I got nothing. We've we've done a we've done a good show today. Covered a lot. Our, our brains are empty. It is almost one o'clock over here. So it is. Yeah. So right. that being said, everybody just remember, it's, it's dangerous, dangerous to, to go, go alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at Sanction. That's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash pixel guide in. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. 